Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And it is finally grand final time. It has been an absolutely... Fantastic season, but kicking off our grand final show, it's an absolute pleasure to have Paul Kent, uh, journalist from the Daily Telegraph. He's also on Sunday, Triple M NRL, and on NRL 360 with Ben Iken on Fox Sports, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday uh, at 6.30, Channel 501. And he's also the author of a fantastic book called Sunny Ball, The Legend of Sunny Bill Williams. Welcome, Paul Kent. Hey, thanks, guys. Nice to be there. Mate... We'll, we'll kick it off with the book. I've, we could sit here and talk about it all day, but um, you know, the start of the book gets into Anthony Mundine and Coda Nasser and Sonny Bill Williams in terms of how they push the boundaries in terms of the legitimacy of contracts and how they're binding and code hopping. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. It's even it even goes into uh, Solomon Hamono, who we're probably both <laughs> a little bit. Um, bit young to remember, but I, I can still remember he, he ran overseas to chase a pleasure machine, but um, it was a bit of a test run to breaking a contract. Yeah, the book, uh, I think some people sort of mistake the book in thinking the book as a pure biography, and it's not really that. It's about, it's obviously the, the whole spine of the book's about Sonny Bill Williams and his, his career and, and what he's done, but it's not a biographical book from that point of view. It's more just how uh, yeah, and Sonny Ball refers to it that uh, it's changing the rules and he's forcing clubs to play Sonny Ball, which is essentially that you've just got to go out and do the best for yourself. And uh, when Solomon Hamano did that and took off overseas and chased the pleasure machine, it was portrayed as a love story, but it was revealed years later that it was actually a, a plan to try and get him sacked from Canterbury so that he could go and join Anthony Mundine at St George. And what happened uh, after that, it didn't work out that way, but. Certainly the, the seed was planted there and that's what happened when Sonny walked out on Canterbury that they wanted him to get out of the club. Uh, they weren't happy with the way it was going and then uh, they kept putting more and more ludicrous demands to the club, uh, which the club, ironically, because they were so desperate to keep Sonny happy and keep him at the club, they continued to meet. And in the end, when all those options were basically exhausted, they said, well, we've got no choice here. And they basically, Sonny just did the runner and took off and, signed a contract to play rugby union in France because they thought that would get him away from rugby league and it wouldn't matter. Uh, but in the end, he was unable to do that. And he, uh, he had to actually pay out his contract at the Bulldogs to be able to do that, go and play there. And, and since then, he's just shown the value of, of his own brand and he's shown the value to clubs to, to uh, basically hire him. And uh, that's the game he plays now. He, he goes to the highest bidder. doesn't matter what the code is. And uh, he benefits himself and he certainly benefits the team he arrived at. Mm. 
What about deep, the legitimacy of a contract? What, what's stopping someone from walking out on a contract right now and doing well, what Sonny Bill's done? Nothing's nothing. But let's remember, he didn't just walk out and get away scot-free. He had to pay the yeah. Bulldogs seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to get out of that contract yeah. because the Bulldogs took it to the courts. And uh, once they were there, the judge then basically uh, put an injunction out and threatened to, to seize his house if he uh, if he didn't pay some sort of compensation. The basic premise of a, of a contract, let's remember, is essentially it's there to protect both both interests. Uh, so. It's to make sure that the candidate, if Sonny does his job with wherever he's playing, that they pay him. And uh, they pay him to make sure that Sonny does his job. Now, if either one wants to break down the contract, and we see this often in the modern game, that if either party wants, and that's when clubs say to players, look, you've got a year to run. We've seen that now with Robbie Farrar. Yeah. You've got a year to run, but we'd like you to move on. Well, Robbie Farrar's within his rights under the terms of the contract to say, well, no, I'm going to stay here. And you're still going to pay me the nine hundred thousand dollars that my contract stipulates. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, uh, we see players who want to move on, and they'll say to clubs, "Look, I want to move on," and they'll come to some sort of agreement with the club, whereby uh, the club that they want to go to will, will offer some sort of compensation, or uh, the, the player himself will offer some sort of compensation. So that's essentially what it is. There's nothing to stop a player saying, "You know, I've had enough. I want to move on." But it just means if he does do that, he's got to pay to do it. Yeah, it's interesting the timeline of sort of Sonny breaking into first grade and then, you know, just the deterioration of his relationship with, within the Bulldogs club, I guess. So the one story there where he has a falling out with Steve Folkes mm-hmm. um, in regards yep. to his relationship with Coda Nasser and some of the comments that were made around him converting um, to Islam. Um, just tell us a little bit about that. Like, so that seemed to be the sticking point or where it all started to break down in terms of his relationship within the club and wanting to leave? Yeah, well, look, the, the Bulldogs are very much a, an old-fashioned club and they do things uh, the old-school way. And part of if you don't like the way a, a person is behaving, part of that's the old Australian way. You, you ridicule them to, to try and uh, condition their behaviour, I suppose. And, yeah. and that's what folks was doing in this instance. He was trying to, you know, it's a joke if you, if you become a Muslim. It's a joke to hang around Anthony Mundine and take advice from him. Uh, and he's basically working that angle. Uh, at the same time, though, it backfired on the club because Sonny was looking for every uh, conceivable slight that he could find to justify his reason to walk out on the club. He was already in his mind preparing himself to do that. So with every little conversation that was not according to what uh, he, he liked, uh, he used that as ammunition to say, well, this is why I need to get out of the club. And So basically, there were, there were two trains on a collision course uh, behaving this way and it eventually happened when he, he, he got on the plane one day and walked out without telling anybody. It's interesting you make that comment about ridiculing to condition um, because I think it's it's something that coaches have had to definitely address in the last 10 years in particular and you, you look at Wayne Bennett made an interesting comment in that interview with Phil Gould on um, Rugby League Classified on uh, Channel 9 last week about what's what's the first thing that he looks for in a player and um, he made the comment that it's behaviour because, you know, if, if a player or a person's got good behaviour, it makes them coachable and um, easy to deal with. So it's definitely something that coaches have had to had to address that that sort of attitude or the old Australian way of ridiculing um, in, in order to condition. I, I know it isn't even as a teacher; it, do, it just doesn't work. This new generation um, is probably a little bit more emotional, a little bit more sensitive. Um, than probably even our generation that went through. Um, but 
it's definitely changing the way you have to educate and coach and um, you sort of got to adapt your style. And it probably just shows the genius of Wayne Bennett in the fact that he's been able to go through generation to generation and adapt his style and still be effective. Yeah, look, Wayne's always been a man manager and that's always been his secret. And, and there's no doubt you're right that the, the players these days do have to be managed differently. And part of that, I think, is actually um, brought on by clubs because they're so desperate now to have players uh, particularly the the, uh, the supremely talented ones, that, that they tolerate all sorts of behaviour. Uh, and the smart ones like Wayne, they look at them early and they'll move them on early. The, the irony being with Sonny, Sonny was in fact so coachable and so uh, so much of a sponge and so hungry to just get advice and, and find ways to improve himself that he was willing to listen to anybody. Mm. And when he found a person like Coda Nasser who had so much personality and um, charisma and was able to really um, sell Sonny on this whole different lifestyle that he, that he was living and was able to focus on some negative aspects of Sonny's current lifestyle at the time, which was the, certainly the binge drinking and how he got himself into trouble there and how if he accepts this new lifestyle, that sort of thing won't happen anymore. And Sonny is always about self-improvement, so really it was just music to his ears, what he was hearing from Coda, and that made him really pliable to be able to uh, um, fall into that, that way of thinking and that, that lifestyle. And, and ultimately he did that. He changed religion. He's now uh, Islamic and he he, uh, he prays five times a day and he goes through Ramadan and he does all those sorts of things. So, um, you know, the irony being that as tough as the modern generation is and it's all the little bells and whistles you've got to put around them to try and encourage them and try and steer them where you go. You can't tell them anymore. You've just got to try and guide them where you want them to be. Uh, Sonny was actually the opposite, but uh, once again, it, it still managed to backfire on the club. Yeah, look, um, he converted. He also converted Mundine to Islam, didn't he? Early, early on, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Anthony's as, as quite as hardcore as um, Muslim as yeah, devout probably the word yeah, yeah. as Sonny is, um, but certainly yes, he is. Okay, um, Dakota Nasser, I, you know, from a rugby league perspective. I, yeah. You don't really know a lot about him. Um, you know, obviously, he converted them both. He's NASA, oh, sorry, Sonny Bill Williams, Mundine, and also now Quade Cooper. He's converted them all. I don't, um, think, he's ever, I don't know if he's got Quade Cooper. No, but I'm saying, I was yeah. going to, he's got boxing, him across. He's got him boxing and. Um, yeah. Inter- interesting character. Tell us a little bit about Kota NASA. Well, he is an interesting guy, and, and he's certainly charismatic, and he's got a an unusual way that he sees the world, but it's a, uh, it's, it's, because he's so extremely intelligent, uh, he uh, is quite convincing in the way he sees things. And, and what he's brought, oh, look, in many ways, if you're a, an elite athlete, and this is where you, you can't put a knock on coder at all, if you're an elite athlete and you've got a manager, you want him looking after your interests. Uh, and often, and this is the sort of the underbelly of the sport, is that often a manager... Uh, with more than one player, we'll be trying to work both sides, and, and often we'll see an instance, uh, or you'll, you'll hear of instances uh, in the backgrounds of a, a coach will say, a manager will say to a coach, uh, if you want this guy, you've also got to sign this guy. And, and the club will be saying, well, we don't want him, we only want him. And they, they always come to an arrangement. And there have even been instances before whereby the club will say, well, we don't have the money for both of them, we can't afford both of them. So a little bit of money will come off the, the top of the big name player, which will go to the lesser player, mm. because the, the manager's trying to get him a gig. 
And that's not the way it should happen, but that certainly does happen in the game. And the thing with Coda, though, it never happens with him. If you're his client, and that's why he doesn't have a big stable, uh, but if you're his client, uh, he will certainly get you top dollar and you will get your value for money. The club gets its value for money out of you, but as a player, you also get value for money because they're paying you the most that they can afford to pay you, and, and you always get market value. There are a lot of players around the game who, who aren't really getting market value. Sony always gets market value, and that's through the, the negotiation uh, and the, uh, the the honesty, I suppose, that the Coda brings to the to the negotiation process because he sits there and he says, well, this is what my player's worth, and if you're not willing to pay it, and, and Coda... With Sonny, he's got the ability to do, to do this. If you don't want to pay it, we'll go elsewhere. Mm. And there's always a demand for Sonny Bill. So, so every, whether it's the New Zealand Rugby Union, whether it's the Roosters, whether it was the Bulldogs way back when, they all know that he's got the capacity to do that, which is a great negotiation stick, isn't it? So uh, yeah. that's the uh, code to his credit. He, he does the right thing by his clients. He fell out with Mundine in 2012. Mundine's now changed management. Can you... Do you know much about why that relationship broke down? or? Well, look, there's there's various rumours around about why. Uh, the, the one that was addressed was a, was about money. There were stories around that Coda had made uh, some money out of... Um, was making money out of Mundine's fights on main event. And, uh, and Anthony believed the money was rightfully his as the fighter. Um, Anthony later admitted it was a mistake, that he made an error. Uh, in fact, what Coda had done with Coda got Anthony top dollar, got Anthony all he was uh, entitled to get. But as part of that, he also negotiated a, a deal for himself um, with main, main event where they would they would pay him a fee to do these deals and get it done. Now that was that, that's just basically good management by Coda. There's nothing illegal. There's nothing yeah. wrong about that. That's just Coda uh, going out and as part of the, of the negotiation. And, and this is the job of every manager. The job to get as as many dollars as you can from the people that are willing to pay, and that's what he was able to do. Uh, and there was a misunderstanding about the money and about where it should be coming from and where it should be going. Uh, Anthony later admitted that it was a mistake, um, and that, that there was certainly not, nothing wrong being done. Uh, and they uh, they basically mended their friendship over that. Mate, I'm absolutely blown away. Uh, as you said earlier, you mentioned his intelligence. I, I've always been, I mean, I'm a bit mystified or trying to figure out a little bit more about Kardanasa, but. In particular, during that time when they were breaking down the barriers there and planning the move to France, just the game of snake, uh, snakes and ladders he played with the Bulldogs, I was uh, blown away just reading the pages and the meetings he had with them and just all the steps and the, 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 the seeds he was planting along the way for this, uh, you know, all to unfold. Yeah. And he, look, to be fair, he, he, he lied to the club from the point of view that he was indicating that, look, uh, mm. at one point there they had a meeting and the club was concerned that, that Sonny was about to leave. And he said, look, I've looked at the contract. He said this to the Bulldogs officials. I've looked at the contract. It's, it's like Fort Knox. It's safe. You've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. We just want to be looked after. We want to be respected is the word they use. Yeah. Show us uh, the love. But at the same time, yeah, show us, show us the love, he was saying, yeah. And at the same time, though, that he was doing that, he was already negotiating and then ultimately already signed to play rugby in France. And they still, yet they still continued this charade of having meetings with the Bulldogs and putting demands to the Bulldogs, which the Bulldogs were meeting uh, to try and have him stay at the club, yet they already knew he was on his way to France and he was going there and uh, they just had to wait until a certain time and it was ready to leave and once they came around, he got on a plane and left. And what a way to find out on July 26 when Ray Hadley 
uh, called Todd Greenberg, who was at home, and told him that he'd seen him at customs at the airport. Um, so, yeah, someone had spotted him. Yeah, he'd obviously denied it at the time, but then put a phone call through to Coder and got a simple one-word answer, which was yes, that he was uh, heading overseas. Yeah. And uh, I just, I was blown away. Yeah, it was a tough one because I think it was a customs official actually rang yeah. radio and said, look, he's just come through here and he said he's going to be gone for six months. And obviously he was a football fan, the customs official. Um, and there, there had been a few rumours circulating that Sonny was getting ready to go. And it was so, I know a few days earlier... Uh, people rang Todd Greenberg and said, look, there's a bit of mail around that Sonny's about to walk out on the club. And, oh, I couldn't be further from the truth. And nobody, even when Greenberg uh, heard that from Hadley, he wasn't, no, that's just crazy. But just parting, just thought, well, hang on, I just better check. He, he, but it, on the balance of probability, he, he thought it was quite nuts that it was that uh, being discussed. But just something gnawed away at him and he thought, oh, I'll just ring Coda just in case. And that's when he said, has he gone? I'll ask you now. Yes or no, has he gone? He said, yes, he has. He's had enough. And that was it. All over. It's incredible, Ed. It was an absolute soap opera and it's, uh, that's rugby league at its best. But as you said to start with, the, the book, it goes off in um, a lot of different directions, which is probably the parts I enjoy the most, to be honest. Like, uh, the one story there that I love was the Gordon Tallis and Phil Gould. Obviously, um, I work at the Panthers, and I know um, how honest and brutal Gus can be, um, you know, at times. And obviously, he's well-respected, but um, he gave Gordon Tallis, or he left Gordon Tallis um, with absolutely no doubt of what he thought of him as a player during that period. And it led to Gordy. Gordy had the year off, didn't he, in order to... Yeah, he did. He missed the 1996 season. They looked what happened there was he was called into the uh, into the New South Wales Leafs Club to negotiate a, a loyalty contract during the Super League right at the height this was and, and Gordon was a, a young kid on the way up he was a big name as we all know um, but he was coming off the bench Brian Smith was one of the first coaches to, to realise the value of bringing a bloke who should be a starter off the bench and the impact that they can bring 20-25 minutes into a game so he started using Gordon that way. So when they sat down and had the, the, uh, the, the talk about whether they about staying with the ARL and signing a, signing a loyalty agreement, Gordon's manager basically knew he was a rep player in the making and wanted rep player in the making money. And Phil Gould just said, well, no, you're, you're a bench player. We won't be paying you that. At which point Gordon, who's very proud, stood up and said, well, no, that's enough for me. And as he walked out, James Packer actually grabbed him and said... Um, what's the matter? And he said, oh, well, I've just been told that I'm a bench player at best and that I, there's, there's no money here for me. And James Packer said, well, hang on a second. Stay with me. He was on the board at the time of the Roosters and uh, where Gould was the coach. And he said, leave with me. He said, I'll get you a start at my club. And Gordon said, well, hang on. How can you get me a start there when your coach has just told me I was a bench player? So he went out and basically got, a, uh, got in touch with his Super League and they, uh, they said, we'd love to have you. And it went to court at the time because he was contracted to St. George Illawarra for the 96 season. Um, and he went up there uh, and St. George Illawarra, well, St. George at the time refused to release him. Uh, as Some other clubs had done. Some other clubs, when players signed loyalty agreements at other clubs, uh, they just released the players so they could go and play there. But the Dragons just refused to release Gordon um, and tried to basically say, well, you won't be going anywhere if you don't play here. You won't, you won't be playing anywhere. Uh, and tried to use that as a tool to bring him back to uh, St George. And Gordon said, well, if I won't be playing anywhere. I won't be playing. 
uh, anywhere, and he, he just moved to Brisbane, and he went and trained with the Broncos each day. Uh, but it just sat out the season; wasn't allowed to play the whole year. So uh, he called he, his bluff, uh, did didn't he? He called his bluff, yeah, yeah. and it shows the integrity of Gordon too. That once he's made his decision, he actually spoke to me about that. He, he went and spoke to his father about it and uh, about what to do because there was a point there where he just questioned being a man. Uh, he said rugby league meant more to him than anything else, and. He wasn't allowed to play, so he went and saw his father, and he said to his father, uh, "What do you think I should do? Because I, I miss not playing, and I'm wondering what I should do." And his father said, uh, "What decision have you come? What have you made?" And he said, "Well, I told him if I can't play for the Broncos, I'm not going to play anywhere." And he said, "Well, that's your decision. You stick to it." And uh, so that's what he did. And it shows where he gets his integrity from. Um... Yeah, it does, and, and it certainly it was very. Uh, his father was in no two minds about what was the the right decision you make your decision you stay with it yeah it was admirable that's for sure um, what about uh, Gallup and Gould I, I didn't realise until I read the book that Gallup was actually the lawyer for the Super League during that time and there was obviously Phil Gould was negotiating on behalf of the ARL so obviously they were at loggerheads from that point of view or they were working in different um, you know with, with different goals but there's a lot of friction that dates back to the Super League war between those two isn't there yeah, there is, and, and look, I'll be honest with you, it's 20 years ago since Super League, and there's still friction in, yeah. in certain parts, and it still comes into certain conversations that uh, about the way that people reacted and behaved uh, during that time. Uh, certainly, whenever um, Gould was quite uh, annoyed at the NRL, uh, he was happy to use the card that, that Gallup was a former Super League lawyer, and um, that was his background, and that was his introduction to the game. Uh, and it was always a sticking point to them. There's no love lost between the pair of them. Occasionally they get on, occasionally they talk, and then there are times where uh, they just turn their back on each other. So, uh, again, it's, it's something that's probably a little bit unique to rugby league, and it's all been born out of that Super League era when things like that were going on everywhere. There was so many friendships ruined during that era. Um, it uh, really has caused problems that I, I still think... Um, still part of the game today. Yeah, and that's one thing I got out of the book. I think I was only four or five years old at the time, so I don't have a great knowledge of it, but just reading about it, uh, the money, how loose things got, the fact that they've basically tried to come in under the guard of the Super League, uh, like I said, not having much background on it, and basically have all these teams signed up, but a little slip up near the end there, the ARL caught wind of it and uh, got their noses in and tried to get the Newcastle Knights boys on board and Chief Harrigan bringing them down on the bus. It was just complete and utter insanity and uh, it was very good to get an insight like I said from only being four or five years old at the time and having no clue um, to you know this massive event which really did set the game back didn't it? Oh it set the game back a long way look I, I was only a young reporter at the time but if, if you, the start of 1995 and if you remember that's the year the game expanded we went to 20 teams that year and that's the year that the, the Cowboys were in the grand final this week that's the year they came into the competition mm-hmm as well as the Warriors and Perth, they came in. And we had this point whereby the game was growing, the game had a, was on a real positive upswing. And if you'd sat in a pub back then with an AFL fan and you argued over which was the biggest code in Australia, you could have argued until midnight and you would not have come up with a winner uh, because they were neck and neck to two codes. They both had various things going for them. The fact that back then rugby league was truly national because, the, because of the team in Perth, because there was a team in Auckland, um, and obviously uh, the, the Cowboys up the top of the, uh, the, the peninsula there, 
the game had a lot going for it. Um, now, what happened then in the meantime was Super League came in and uh, it basically devastated the game, the, the fight for a couple of years, and then it took a, a long, long time to really uh, heal itself. And in that time, the AFL continued ploughing forward, and that's the time when back back in the, before '95, rugby league actually had the better television deal. Uh, from that moment on, though, it's always been AFL who's held out for hand in far, as far as television money. And uh, in truth, that's a big indicator of the the, the wealth and the, the value of each game is what the, the networks are prepared to pay. Um, and that's where rugby league lost ground. We thought initially this year we rugby league had finally got back to level pegging. Uh, unfortunately, though, and I know the deal's not. Uh, not complete as far as rugby league goes, but there's no way that rugby league will get anywhere near what the AFL got when they signed their deal a couple of months ago. Mm. Uh, did you, do you think Super League created a false economy in, in regards to player salary and expectation? Like, I mean, you look at yeah, yeah. Mundine, you know, like there was a lot of issues there with money. Um, you know, it just to me, it looks like it created a, a, a false a false economy a little bit. Well, when Rugby League, uh, before Super League, the salary cap in the, uh, what was then the ARL was $1.8 million. Uh, and that was for your entire club. And Super League came, and what eventually, well, essentially happened then was the salary cap just, at, at a certain point there, because so much money was being paid, salary caps were, were ridiculous. Uh, the, the NRL just, basically, well, the ARL at the time just threw it open, and there was no salary cap for... Um, Super League or the ARL, both teams and both organisations just basically signed as many players as they could for what they could get them because it was the value back then was to try and have the biggest name players. And essentially, in the end, there was split. The honours were split between clubs and, and teams and uh, and players, and no no cut or no side really had an, an upper hand. Um, now that was real a real problem for the for the, the game because. Initially, Super League was budgeted to cost about $60 million. Uh, that's what they thought it would cost. Uh, within six months, uh, it was already at a couple of hundred million dollars. And essentially, uh, right at the end there, when they did their figures, it cost News Limited about $500 million. Now, a lot of that went to players, uh, but you, you put that in terms of back before it all began, it was a $1.8 million salary cap across, mm. uh, what, 20 clubs at the time. That's only slightly less than $40 million. Now, we, we went way, way, way beyond that. And in the end, when they when the two codes got going, there was still no salary cap. Players had paid what they could. The players went from earning $100,000 a year to seven dollars $800,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And that's only sort of money that we've only come back into uh, probably in the last few years. And that's one of the things that um, really led to Sonny leaving the Bulldogs was because Mundine was one of the beneficiaries of the Super League war. He signed a contract with, with St George uh, to leave Brisbane for $600,000 a year. And he kept arguing, and here it is 10 years later, and Sonny's on a contract for $400,000 a year. But, but, but that was when the game was starting to get control of itself again was back being able to pay for itself again. We're still not there. But every year, 14 of the 16 clubs don't make money. Yeah, They actually run out of loss. They, they need the... Uh, they're, they're, Essentially running year by year. The only two teams that make a, uh, generally make a profit are the Broncos every year and the Premiers, whoever they are. They get that through merchandise and an upswing in members. But every other club essentially runs at a loss. So because of that, we're, we're still not at a point where the game really, uh, from a, a 
players' salary point of view, is paying for itself. Yeah. The players, that's why the TV money's got to get dedicated to the players' salaries because uh, that can, that's where they can afford it. But if you just picked up solely on what the club's bringing through their own sponsorship, through their own members, through their own gate takings, they don't pay enough to, to run their own... Well, they don't bring in enough to run their own operation. Do you think this new TV deal, the goal is going to be to make all the clubs uh, financial? Do you think that's where the game will head or they, they're going to head into um, increasing the salary cap? Or, you know, where do you think this, the money will get spent? Well, look, that's one of the issues that the game's really got at the moment because there's a, there's a bit of a, a Donnybrook going on between the clubs and the NRL at, right at this point about what happens with that money. Now, the NRL, when it finally uh, settles on the second part of its deal and we know what the total figure is, will increase the salary cap. Uh, the clubs are happy to do that, the players are happy to do that, and the game's happy to do that. The, the question is how much will they, they increase it by because... The, the NRL has spoken about raising from it's about 6.7 million now to up to around 11, 12 million dollars. Now at the moment, the, every club gets an NRL grant, and that NRL grant pays the entire salary cap and leaves uh, 510 thousand dollars to the club. Uh, on top of that, yeah. that the, so the club say, well, hang on, that 510 thousand dollars every year is not enough. We needed that to be roughly around 2.5 million every year. And the NRL uh, basically are resisting that call and don't want to do it. Now the club is digging in saying that that's what they need to be able to run successful businesses every year. So what we're going to at some point do is have an argument over what the right amount is. And um, we'll just have to see who the, the strongest negotiators, negotiators are there because at the moment um, neither side is really budging too much. Um, but the club certainly think that 2.5 is about fair. The NRL's got it at 500, which is just, uh, I think, a little bit low, to be honest. Uh, so we'll just have to see where they settle. I don't know about your thoughts, but I kind of get um, from this side of things that they're talking about who's the next million-dollar player or a lot of blokes kind of breaking into that stratosphere. But looking long-term, I'm looking again this year, and um, we, we seem to have stemmed the flow of blokes going to Super League at a young age, but it's, it's starting to kind of reoccur, so... Um, if there was more money to be introduced, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think we need to do a better job at maintaining those guys that are first grade ready, um, expanding the top squads if we're ever going to look at expanding the competition because um, you can't have blokes like Albert Kelly who left fairly early. There's been a, a host of Australian schoolboy halves like Sam Williams had to go over there for a bit. Josh Drinkwater went over there for a bit. Uh, Mahe Fanu was only a couple of years into his first grade. I could, I could rattle off a heap more, but it just kind of seems that it's a little bit too hard and there's you know, still enough temptation for a lot of those guys that are on the fringe um, to move on. And if we ever want to expand, I think they've got to do a better job of, of trying to maintain some of these players so we do have enough talent to uh, kind of grow the competition. Yeah, well, look, if we do expand, then those players, certainly there'll be positions available. But what, what we've got to understand here, it's a free market, and every club's only got a certain amount of places on their roster. They've got a certain amount of money that they can spend on that roster. And what we're seeing now is a lot of clubs are spending money in two areas. The, the absolute top-line talent, who yeah. get the, obviously the, uh, the, the big share. But then the other part is a little bit of a false economy, which is the young kids coming through who they've basically got to pay overs to safeguard them against going to other clubs. So yeah. uh, you talk there about the young kids like uh, we had a situation at the Tigers with the yeah. likes of Luke and Moses. Mitchell Moses. Yeah. Who were, were they're on very good money, and they're on money that are 
look, they're probably not providing value for money right now, but the Tigers needed to pay them that type of money to stop other clubs coming in and pinching them. Mm, yeah. uh, Bryce Cartwright's an example of a kid at Penrith where he was playing a couple of years ago, he played under-20s the entire season, but he was in their top, was, 25 yeah, the top 25 money-wise. Because, yeah, because they needed to pay him to, to basically stop other clubs coming in to poach him. Yeah. And what, what we've got to understand as far as clubs and where they spend their money is, is while it's nice to get that, that mid-level talent and keep them in the game, the clubs are trying to do their best for their own survival and for their own success. And if they believe that this is where the money's got to be spent now, they can probably fix that a little bit by by somehow capping uh, or uh, put it, bringing in a draft at that junior level so that way clubs are not basically in a free market to, to bid for players. Uh, if, if clubs are sort of... You use like Josh Drinkwater as an example if if for example the Tigers were paying him 300 and Wigan were paying him 300 the value for money that he gives both of those clubs is different exactly yeah it would be yeah. it would be a lot so, different and, and uh, I think that's the genius of well not the genius of but that's if you're a Super League club and as a coach you're probably looking going well you know I'm, I'm definitely not going to probably poach any of the top 10 so I'm then going to hit that second tier that we're talking about that middle tier and I'm going to look at yeah. someone who I can pay probably 100k more than what they're getting here um, which yeah. is going to give me value for money over there you know so yeah um, well this issue that you're talking and, and of, if you're that type of player you're, you're, you're looking at saying well okay I, and I, I'm, I'm going to get paid this much here or that much there and this is the role I'm going to be playing at that club against the role I'll be playing at this club yeah. and they're, they're proud and they're ambitious as well so they want to do things they want to have a success their way, so I can understand the player saying, well, if I can go over and be a, the, the chief playmaker for Wigan, or I'm part of the 25-man squad, but I'm always going to be coming, you know, dropping back to the New South Wales Cup every third week because I'm not going to be able to break into the first-break team, well, you understand why the player would want to do that as well. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that you this know, year. You want to go to England. Yeah, well, I've definitely seen that this year, doing the New South Wales Cup. There's some blokes, uh, unfortunately, they turn up on a Saturday at Leichhardt, and there's basically 20 people in the ground, and um, why they may be a part of that top 25, you do see a deflated spirit sometimes from some players. But oh, that was a perfect example of what you were talking about before, having to pay um, for that young talent when I was at Canberra in the 20 system. Josh Papali obviously came through straight from SG Ball and was basically upgraded halfway through the year once he broke into our 20 side because everybody wanted a piece of him. So he's gone from yeah. playing at uh, Park Football Grounds to only playing a handful of games with us. And the next minute, you know, they're having to shell out. Um, they were spending a lot of money, especially with their connection with the South Logan, where they found Anthony Milford. And at the end of the day, he ends up back at Brisbane um, after all the money they've put into him. So on that side of things, I, I feel for clubs, uh, especially someone like Canberra, who's lost players that they've put money into. And I'm pretty sure they, they've definitely pulled out of South Logan now. And 
associated themselves with Mounties, but then you look at Blake Ferguson and Josh Dugan and these other guys where they've put in the time or they've brought somebody in and um, they do the work, but at the end of the day, when another club like the Roosters, say, picks Ferguson up, if he was to do something tomorrow and he was sacked, there's, it's just, you know, water off a duck's back. They have a press conference, they say, um, it, you know, it's an unfortunate situation and they're sorry and all this, but at the end of the day, the only club losing uh, is the one who put the time in. Oh, exactly, and that's a problem the game's got to really figure out because if you look at the Raiders, for example, uh, from a, from an NRL point of view, they did the right thing when they sacked Todd Kane. They did the right yeah. thing when they sacked Ferguson. They did the right yeah. thing when they Just sacked Dugan. Dugan. What, what reward did they get for it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What, what, in fact, they, learned, they got penalised exactly. because they had a big hole in their salary cap mm. and you, they were unable to replace like for like. And then what happens is the player goes away, often will go into a contract upgrade at his next club, and he gets picked up by, uh, you know, in Kearney's case and in Ferguson's case, he got picked up by the Roosters, who were uh, absolute premiership high flyers. And every other club sits around scratching their head. Yeah, and you basically get yourself a minimum wage player like Todd Carney um, for his situation. Well, that's value for money. Exactly yeah, with a, bit of, with a bit of management, he, he wins you a Dalian medal and gets you to a grand final in his first season. And like I said, worst case, if he gets fired, it's water off a duck's back. If not, you upgrade him accordingly like they did. Um, eventually it fell yeah. down. But you've seen that case again now with Ferguson where they've given him that development officer job. Uh, he's probably on absolutely nothing, but they got the results this year. Um, around that injury, and uh, again, you, you get value for money for the year, don't you? And, and Paul Carter's yeah, another yeah. one, almost the Titans' best player that the Rabbitohs kind of swooped in there. He he didn't quite have the effect, and they kind of fell away, but it's just another one of these examples. A bloke that was a standout for the Titans, and another powerhouse picks him up pretty much scot-free middle of the year. Yeah, and he'll be uh, he'll become quite a, a good asset for this, the, uh, the Rabbitohs as well, Paul Carter, because uh, he can certainly play. They've got him for... Yeah, because they're, they're resurrecting his career, they've got him for unders, and um, they're going to they're benefit a long, a, a long way by him. So um, it's tough. It's something the game's got to figure out. And I don't know if you can have a hard and fast rule, but certainly there needs to be some sort of compensation, I think, paid by, by the club that picks up one of those players to the club that's just lost him, whether that comes in the form of salary cap dispensation from one to the next or whether that comes another way, I don't know. Yeah, we were, run, we were rattling off some... Um, thoughts about that. I think I even said maybe even a draft, not not a draft, but um, maybe the team that finishes last gets first pick at these players that are wanting to come back yeah, in. They have to in go into to... A, bo- a bottom four side or something along those lines where these top sides can't just pick somebody up on the minimum but wage. Again, it's, it only have to be challenged because it's restraint, yeah, of, restraint trade, of trade. You know, so. Yeah, and you, you'd find it actually tough, for example, if Sam Bird said he wanted to come back to the NRL, and the NRL, yeah, this is the problem I've got with this marquee player system. At the moment, the NRL's got the power to come in and say, well, Sam, we'll, we'll top up whatever club yeah. wants to pay yeah. you. South Sydney. Which sounds great. Then I says, great, we're getting Sam Burgess back. But if he came back, for example, and said, right, I want to play at the Roosters or I want to play at you know, Brisbane or, or North Queensland right now. And the NRL said, OK, well, and we'll pick up $500,000 of your salary so you can go and play there. It's ridiculous. Well, why, should they, why should they be able to benefit by that? That a club like the Raiders can't. So every, well, every other NRL club, all other 15, would still be on the 6.7 million salary cap. But wherever Sam Burgess went, they'd suddenly be on a 7.2 million dollar salary cap yeah. because yeah. they can afford to do that. And, and you get it's so open to abuse um, that oh, it's, it stuns me that the NRL doesn't have the capacity to see that. So yeah. They yeah. should get rid of that marquee rule straight away. It should 
should never be used. I, I, I can agree with every club having a marquee player payment, but you can't just give it to one club over another at NRL discretion. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I know, like, in my role this year, I've had to deal with players dropping back from New South Wales Cup, guys that aren't playing 20, so you're sort of dealing with that athlete that's not full-time, um, but he's part-time. But then, use our example at the Panthers, um, they're expected to perform at an elite level, but they're not actually getting the training um, necessary because they're still expected to work um, and train and do all that sort of stuff. So I think, you know, particularly in our situation, I, I look at it and think, well, it's tough for these blokes because they're not they're not getting paid a lot. A lot of the time they're, you know, they're working another job, which is paying their mortgage and, and feeding their family. But yet in the in Penrith's situation, 15 blokes out, suddenly these guys are pulled into, um, you know, a full-time environment and expected to perform at a full-time level um, but they're just they're, they're unable to do it because they're not getting the same level of training and uh, or an elite level of training. So I think that's I know that Jonathan Thurst has come out and said that uh, you know they need to look at the lower end of the of the salary cap um, and look after those players. I, I think purely from a coaching perspective and a club perspective per se in terms of roster, I think the more players that can be a part of the full time squad. Um, whether that be New South Wales Cup or NRL, I think that's going to benefit the game as a whole because, particularly during that Origin period, that is, that is the conversation of you know of that period is the is, is the fact that the competition uh, goes into a lull because you've got all these players coming in um, that obviously aren't of the Origin standard, um, and when you're throwing throwing on top of that the you know the tough schedule and the uh, the injuries on top of that, it really drains the quality of the competition. So I think if we can. You know, I've obviously been involved in the 20s and um, I do think, and, and Phil, Phil Gould's massive on this, he's, he's pumped a lot of the players up into New South Wales Cup as soon as they um, show signs that they're dominating the 20s. Obviously, we've got them back now for the finals, but um, that system's working, I, I think. But um, yeah. I definitely think we've got to look at something in regards to having more players playing, or, or sorry, training in a full-time capacity if, if you're going to expect them to perform as full-time athletes, basically. Yeah. But that goes back to our earlier discussion about uh, what the game can afford. Yeah. But don't you think... I, I, I can't see the point in increasing the salary cap if we're not addressing that issue to start with. Oh, I think, you know, the players at the high end are probably getting getting a decent wedge. You know, they're, like, they're going to make a living off the game, but, you know, that's only probably... Well, the, 20, 25% of the... This of is the, the other murky waters we head into again where we talk about third parties most weeks, but we look at, you know, some sides can obviously afford them. Well, that's a false and there's other too, ones that that, can't. that changes the whole perspective of the salary cap because if, you know, some players can pay... Uh, some clubs can pay... Yeah, well, you know, obviously... A, a number and another yeah. club can pay B number, straight away your salary cap's... The Broncos, the Bulldogs, your Roosters, these kind of guys probably have more access to... Well, Brisbane? Uh, these. They've got one, cl- one town. Yeah, but if, uh, if I read correctly the other week, uh, was it the former Melbourne boss, I think, from last year, they're trying to bring somebody in to try to manage the third, the third parties or have someone that kind of audits that? Well, they need to look at it. Yeah. As, as you guys spoke to just then, there's a false economy out there and some clubs are spending just a couple hundred thousand in third parties and some clubs, I've been told, up to 40% of, of their, uh, their own salary cap, they're spending again on third parties and yet we're all led to believe that it's an even competition. It's not an even competition. Um, and uh, there's this sort of myth around that it is, and it's something that the NRL continues to uh, promote. But 
that's not the case. And there needs to be more transparency around the, uh, the third-party agreements because at the moment there's none. Uh, I think they do. I, I actually approached the NRL last year and asked them for the figures of what every club was spending in third parties. How'd you go? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no luck at all, as expected. And, and eventually, like, I kicked up a stink and said, well, okay, if you're not going to tell me, I'm, I'm going to write, but you will not tell me. Yeah. Uh, at that point, the NRL uh, got a little bit nervous and they came back and they said, oh, we'll give you some ballpark figures, but they were, they were just crap. They were, yeah. I, I think they were invented, to be honest, because... Yep. Uh, everything I'd spoken to at, at clubs about, and clubs have told me, um, in some instances, not every club, but some clubs have told me what they spent in third parties, and yet they were completely different figures from what the NRL yeah. uh, provided me. So I didn't believe it. The NRL was a very much a, uh, it was a, it was quite clever the way they did it. They they gave me categories off the record of, of what clubs, you know, there's so many clubs spending this much, there's so many clubs spending this much. And there's so many clubs spending this much. And then when you looked at the clubs and when I, you know, they finally gave me who the clubs were and where they were, it was just a nice uh, arrangement of clubs at every level on the table. So it wasn't all the top clubs spending the most money. It was a little bit sprinkled across mm. the... Uh, yeah, and it was just... I, I think it was just PR. Um, yeah, it was just mm. PR. And I, I don't... Uh, yeah, and this is in hindsight. At the time, I thought, okay, well, I've got something, and, uh, and I wrote the story. But when I looked back at it, I thought, no, this isn't right. And I've since followed that up with a few phone calls to clubs, and, and they said the figures resemble nothing like what they've got. Mm. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> uh, I suppose, mate, moving on to the point of this week, it's big grand final week, but uh, the games that led to it, you obviously had the Broncos 31-12 to over the Roosters and uh, I think everyone basically took one thing that the tone was set from the first minute when mm. Sean Kenny Dow had an absolute brain snap under pressure even though he had three blokes about a metre away from him. Isn't, uh, it, isn't it funny we talk about elite coaching and we break down the tactics and you know who's going to win the game where and then something like that happens and oh. it's the most simple error that you could come up with that he, that he wouldn't have done in you know, any game during the year, but he does it in, on the big stage. Well, you, you see them week to week using that getting back centre field, obviously, so they're not working out of a corner and they work so well from the back. But it was well, almost... talk about robotic coaching. Yeah. The robotic coach would have said, come in and just get tackled on the tram. Yeah. Which you could have done. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, and look, it was a disappointing start for the Roosters and they did put them on their heels. Uh, but... I think there was just something... My concern with the Roosters going into the game was they just weren't putting together solid 80 minutes of football, which was... Uh, they hadn't been dealt for some time. They were still finding ways to win because they had so much strike power and, and talent. But they weren't putting together complete performances. Broncos were, and the Broncos in the end, that's what told from them. The fact that they got away to a great start, I think, really benefited them. And such as the Roosters, that they were able to fight their way back in, and at one point, 16-12 there, and they're yeah. coming back into the game. Yeah. But again, they then had their little lapse, and um, when they do that, that, that's when the Broncos' consistency over 80 minutes really benefits them, and that's what happened. And, and that's the interesting thing, looking ahead to this week's game, whether the Cowboys, who I think, um, you know, I, I thought their, their, their recent performances have been really, really strong, but they had been a little bit streaky at different times. They, yeah. Were, yeah. they were starting poorly, then they were kicking along, and, and the amount of times that they came home towards the end of the game that the, the snatch victory was really extraordinary to see, actually. Yeah. But um, they're starting to play some good quality, consistent football, so it's going to be an interesting game from that point of view. I, I really can't tell you how I think it'll go. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably raise that a month out. 
just that the Roosters were, I yeah, felt like they were in second gear. And for that, exactly what you just said, I thought they were probably only playing to their potential for 60 minutes and they were going to have to increase that and they just haven't been able to find that gear. No, they have. And I think, look, what, where they really got affected was that loss to Melbourne in the first uh, week of finals. They really needed a week off to Roosters. And, and when they didn't get that, that's when everything, everything started to worry them. It happened the year before, last year, that they, they lost that game. And again, uh, it was a game dependent, actually, and they had to go back and, and play the following week. And I think that knocked them around. Um, and I think if you remember, they played the uh, the Cowboys. They led thirty to nil, yeah, and then uh, and nearly got run down. Hit a wall. Yeah. That yeah was... um, but anyway, but I think that's really affected them this year. Uh, once again, they put a lot into winning that first game, and they were unable to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think what we can say though is the two best teams over the course of yep. the season really are in the grand final. Yeah, and I think we spoke about it the week before, and you saw it again this week. During the season, and it was kind of the same in the 20s or anything, I'm not saying teams don't give their all during the year, but you build towards the finals. There's some weeks where you put little bits, uh, you know, as far as your effort in more or the training and recovery, but come finals time, that is the true reflection of the teams. And I, we've been harping on probably for more than half the season that we couldn't see anyone bar those top three sides in the Cowboys, the Roosters or the Broncos being in that grand final and it's proven in the results. Well, they were the three Group One horses. I don't yeah. think there were any other Group One horses there, you know, that were going to make a, make a run. But I, I got some mail. I don't know whether you've heard heard this rumor, Kenny, but I got mail that, and pretty solid mail, that Mitchell Pearce actually had his hamstring glued back onto his bone during that period of time. Obviously, when he was out, um, and yeah, really for me, that 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 seems incredible to, in the fact that they would even run him out there and. I mean, the proof was in the pudding in the fact that yeah, he, he lasted, came off at half, half, half time. Half. And it was it was the one time where he went to go and take the line on, and that was it. He yeah. just pulled up lame. So I've, yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting that Robinson and, uh, wouldn't just stick with Hastings. I think Hastings... I don't think Hastings was the reason they lost the first week, well, and I think he was pretty good second I, week. I harped on that I wouldn't have played him, but the other thing that got me is moving Cordner in tight. I think Cordner's well, such a weapon. Laurie Daly made that mistake during Orange. Yeah, well, well, he played him off the bench, him and Jackson, two-edge players, but I looked at Guerra usually floats around the field. I feel that he's probably better as a bloke that's let loose. Uh, Cordner's so effective on the edge, and they didn't work over the halves at all, so there was a lot of areas that they'd usually be so good at that yeah. I, I just thought were kind of you know nullified the other night, and Tokiaho's been used differently the last two weeks in particular um, to how he was during the season. So I, I thought there was a lot of things, but the Broncos were absolutely outstanding. The Cowboys, on the other hand, uh, kind of got the feeling that the Storm were constantly under the pump. Um, in particular, Manning Green's edge was torn apart by Michael Morgan. He was fantastic, and it's probably scary that he's shown the form he is because now... Well, they um, went into that lull when he was out injured. And yeah. when he when he came back, like they struggled first week against Brisbane because I think it was Morgan's second game back, and he still looked a little bit yeah. uh, rusty, but... Jeez, he's kicked into gear the last two weeks. Yeah. Well, we've got Broncos, Cowboys, high-octane footy, um, absolutely fantastic half squaring off, a little bit of difference in the forward pack. But what do you think, uh, Kenny? Who do you see winning this grand final? Obviously, I'm sure the Queenslanders are quite happy, and I- I'm like most people. I'm probably leaning towards the-, the fairy tale of Jonathan Thurston, but breaking it down, um, they've both got fantastic spines. The forward pack's a little bit different, um, and, they're- and they're pretty much good all around the park. But I think the big difference for me is probably the bench for North Queensland. I think they get a little bit more out of their bench, and I'm looking at that forward pack. I think they kind of get the upper hand there, even though the Broncos um, have certainly played above their weight this season. Yeah, I think you're right. Look, I, 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 look if I press for a, a winner, I think the Cowboys, if they can just continue rolling through like they've been 
uh, lately through the middle there with the, the Tamo, Scotton and Tom Lolo. Uh, and then you've got Jonathan Thurston and Morgan playing the way they are on the back of that. Um, that's going to be tough to beat, particularly against the, the, the Broncos who uh, continue to concede metres. Yeah. Uh, it's really amazing sort of an anomaly about the Broncos. As, as good as their defence is, they concede so many metres in that middle part of the field. And... Um, uh, but they're, they're once they get their sort of backs to the line on the goal line, they're obviously very good. But if they're going to keep inviting Jonathan Thurston down there, uh, yeah. I think they're going to be in for a few problems. Yeah, I think from a coaching perspective, you just nailed it. I think the game's going to be won and lost where if North Queensland, and they had trouble doing it in that first uh, first week of the finals game, they had trouble scoring points when they were down in good ball attacking Brisbane's line. Brisbane's defence was outstanding. Um, I think that that there again, as you said, because Brisbane are going to concede metres and Cowboys yeah. are going to have field position. So it's just whether Thurston. I think that Matty Johns actually said it. They they were quite structured in their attack and they wouldn't you know sort of wiggle out of it and, and play a little bit of football. I think over the last two weeks uh, the Cowboys have reacted to that um, criticism or they've identified it themselves and they've probably become a little bit uh, more free flowing with their football and it showed because they've. Um, you know, racked up the points against two very good defensive sides. So uh, I think that's where the game will be won and lost. If Brisbane can turn them away and get the Cowboys frustrated, I think you know they're then going to be able to to handle it and they'll cap- capitalise on the errors. But if the Cowboys and we know they're going to be able to get down there if they hold onto the footy, if they can post points, I think they might might even blow out. To be honest, not blow out, but I think it might be you know 12, 16 point margin in the end. Mm. Yeah, and what you'll find too, I think the Broncos, I think they've overachieved a little bit getting to where they are. Mm. Um, and if they did fall behind by you know, more than six points, so you can start getting t- you know, 10, 14 points behind, I think that'll discourage them rather than thinking, well, let's just dig in and yeah. and get back. I think the fact that they're all, you know, in more, not all, but most of them are so young, it's their, their first big dance. And mm. uh, in many cases, uh, they've overachieved. I think that once that happens, that particularly against the power of the, the Cowboys, that they might get a little bit discouraged. Yeah, challenge their um, mindset, won't it? Because that mindset of being resilient and toughing it out and then all of a sudden you've then got to throw that out the window and try and play football and it just it's a clash of mentality, I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's that's going to be the test. Although I will say that if, uh, if you're going to send the team into a grand final like that, they've got the best coach in the business mm. to do it. So, six, uh, six and I tell you six, what, uh, they may they may have to chase points at some point with Milford. Um, he embarrassed me a couple of times at Canberra, and then Benny Hunt, who I think is massively underrated as far as halves are concerned. Um, I don't, and this is coming from a Melbourne fan. I'd honestly put him up on par with Cooper Cronk now if we're going to talk about the mantle of those Queensland halves. And uh, I think obviously he's been under Cherry Evans. I think he's probably shown more almost uh, the last couple of years than what Cherry, haven't, uh, Cherry Evans has as well. He's been fantastic this but, year. He has. Uh, the two big questions for me in this, Hodges, do you think he will get cleared? I think he has. I think they've, they've cleared yeah. him today. So yep. He's ready to go. He's been found not guilty, which is uh, stunning. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think, think if, he's, it's, if he's it's round 26, he, he wouldn't have got off, would he? Uh, you'd, you'd have to, it's a fair question to ask. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's heartbreaking, <laughs> I suppose, for people like Isaac Luke might be having a look at that one, being a little bit disappointed. But my other yeah. question, and uh, probably underrated, Jonathan Thurston's groin, not so much... Uh, the, you know, it's more the kicking for me, not the play kicking. Lachlan Coote chips in well. He's got a decent boot, and Morgan seemed um, to chip in a little bit as well. But he, he looked fine with the short kicking, but the goal kicking, uh, that really worries me if it comes down to it, because he definitely wasn't uh, following through last week with that groin problem. 
No, he wasn't. Uh, mine seeing though is he's in pretty good shape. Um, and basically, I don't think there's any calf injury at all. I think it's all precautionary, and that was a bit of a smoky just to yeah. get people talking a little bit. Um, but I think that uh, I think he'll be okay. Well, I think it's prediction time. I'm going to say the Cowboys win the grand final 20-18. to 18, And surprise, surprise, if you're going to pick a Clive Churchill medalist, uh, I think he's going to deliver on the day. Boxhead? Yeah, I agree. I think the Cowboys. Um, don't know about a score. I think it'll be low scoring in the terms. I think Brisbane will probably score 6-12 uh, to 12 and the Cowboys will, yeah, up, up around low 20s, I think. So I think it might be yeah, close to 1-12 to 12, or if not a 13-plus 13, 13 margin. Uh, Thurston will win the... Uh, the Dally M tonight, Kenny? Yeah, I think yeah. He'll, he'll win it fairly comfortably. Uh, um, I'm not quite sure who else looks. There's a bit of talk around that Sheck is in there somewhere, but I, I, I think this is the uh, the most certain we've ever gone to a Dally M um, with uh, a, a winner in mind. Yeah. I, the season he's had, I've never seen a season uh, where a player has put so many uh, good games together so consistently. So uh, he, he's a lot for me. Yeah, I think most of the position awards are fairly settled. The one that I'm looking at is Coach of the Year. Uh, I could make arguments for Trent Robinson and Wayne Bennett, but who do you believe? Obviously, Trent Robinson's won three minor premierships in a row, but uh, neither of us had Brisbane in the eight at the start of the year. I was a bit more like you. I thought they would have a bit of a slow build. Most of that side was still there the last couple of years and underachieved, but I'm I'm blown away with how quickly they found themselves back in a grand final. So uh, I might lean towards Wayne Bennett, but who do you think might win that one? No, I'm with you there. I, I think that uh, nobody really believed he, he would do what he did this year. Bear in mind, they, they did get some good players over the offseason. Yeah, they, they got did. Milford, yeah. they got Darius Boyd, they got Adam Blair, who all were pretty significant contributors to the team. But the fact that they're in a grand final again, uh, when they were a side really that was uh, seen at most as a top eight side, um, nobody, nobody expected top four, nobody expected a grand final um, and he's done it through good coaching. It's not like it's all just uh, there's a lot of out-of-form players that suddenly found their way. They're just that he's brought in a new style of football to the team. Uh, they've responded to it, and, and uh, they're killing them. Yeah, I would have thought if the Roosters won on Friday night, I think Trent Robertson would have got yeah. it. Well, I think that game decided. I was having a chat to a bloke out at, uh, at a pub on Friday about that. I think, yeah, that decided that award. What about your final tip, Kenny? Who do you think wins the grand final, and who would you pick for the Clive Churchill? Uh, look, I think um, the, the the Cowboys, and I actually think someone like Morgan will uh, yeah. come up with a Clive Churchill. Look, Thurston, Thurston's obviously the favourite, but yeah. uh, I think sometimes you, they they overanalyze these things. And if, if Thurston plays his normal game, which will be a, a nine out of ten, yeah, uh, someone like Morgan comes along and he, he plays goes from a, a seven out of ten to a you know, an eight eight and a half out of ten, uh, that'll get him home, which probably shouldn't be right, but. Uh, that's the way it'll be, but, you'd, uh, but I think it, he'd be a value bet. But if you, yeah, if you go uh, with Thurston, you're on uh, you're on pretty solid ground, aren't you? You're on the best. Yeah, horse. take the redraw out of my mortgage and chat that one. That'll be bank <laughs> interest. But uh, yeah. mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we could talk all day, Dad said. If you let me, I'd plug the charger in my iPhone <laughs> and talk football until I turned blue in the face and fell off this chair. But. Um, the book is Sunny Ball, The Legend of Sunny Bill Worms. It's available at all good bookstores, uh, roughly retails, I think, for about 25 30 bucks. That'd be about right? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, but 
If you've got 25 bucks, I'm sure you can find somewhere. I was yeah. going to say, either way, it doesn't matter if it's 50, pay the man. It's an absolutely outstanding <laughs> book. Um, you get plenty of good insights, obviously mostly based around Sonny Bill Williams, but um, just such a massive insight into Coda Nassa, Mundine, the world of boxing, the Super League war. Um, even in there, one of my favourites, there was a story I had no idea about, Bill Morty you had in there uh, on the drink and the way he used to go about his journalism <laughs> and his promotions. There's an absolute plethora of stuff in this book, so make sure you get yourselves a copy of Sonnyborn. You can read Kenny's stuff in the Daily Telegraph, uh, Sunday Triple M NRL. That's obviously coming to a close, but 12 to 3 on Sundays, and NRL 360 Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 6.30 on Channel 501. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on again just to talk about, well, God knows how many issues there are in the game of rugby league. <laughs> Not a problem, guys, Anytime. Thanks, Kenny. We've gone from Paul Kent to MG, and I believe back in the day, mate, you may have uh, stuck him once or twice when you played for your minor, if I've heard that story a few times correctly. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, boys. Um, and that might have happened. It might have taken place. Did Mr. Kent tell you that? No, nah, I'm just bringing it up because I remember it. Uh, well, no, if you guys want to bring it up, let's just leave it where it was, back on, uh, back on Graham Park at uh, Gosford, where, I, uh, where half his... Half his face still. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was a great interview and the book's outstanding. And Brock, I believe you've got a question now yeah, about the Sunny Ball book. Well, I was reading the uh, Sunny Ball and um, I loved I loved the line you've said, Sonny, that's a dog act. Yes. Loved it. Went after him. Loved it. Went after actually, him. I'm in, I'm, in, uh, I'm in bed with the lovely fiancé and I'm, I'm flicking through the pages and I've started wetting myself and she said, why? And I've showed her the... Showed her the, or read her the quote, and she was having a giggle. Good times, the Shepherd household. Well, it was. It was, um, it was kind of... Well, actually, I think the quote I said was, Bulldog by name, dog act by nature. It was just one of those things that at the time was unprecedented. And, um, <laughs> I've actually read the book as well. And he's, he's, he can write Paul Kent. Uh, I'll give him that. He's, a, he's actually a really, really good writer. And um, but hence why our little altercation happened up on the Graham Park well, 21 years ago that um, he was writing some things about me in the Sydney Morning Herald that I wasn't happy with. And then I looked at the, uh, the program before the game and I said, is that Paul Kent, the writer, at fullback for Roomba? And my teammate said, yeah. I said, oh, oh, oh there is a god. <laughs> 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 so, oh, that was the green light as far as I was concerned. Uh, yeah, no, it was... It was yeah, he's, um, he brings it up when we work with each other and... Uh, he says, what was I on that day? And I said, what was it on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, It was one of them times in my life that I, I embraced, but I, I quickly forget. Mate, there was good imagery in that, though. He said you were shuffling like a prize fighter. I was laughing while I was reading it, too, because I could just think about the hands twitching and everything oh, yeah. else, waiting to get the words out. Yeah. Kicking off, had the, the hand, the winking going, yeah. and, the and, he le- and he left you hanging too. He passed it off to a correspondent, and they had Vossi and Gus first, so you had to sit there and stew on it for a bit too. Excellent. <laughs> I was laughing reading it. I was like, I could see it right down my head. I could really see it. But uh, the reason we're here, we finally reached that point. Uh, it is grand final week. The Broncos and the Cowboys have made the decider. It's an all Queensland Grand final. Um, both teams very deserving, two and three during the year, but I think we've spoken about it a million times. Them and the Roosters were head and shoulders above everybody this season. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think it's um, it's it's not by uh, fluke or luck that they're there. Um, they play a brand of footy that's pretty foreign to other teams, these two, and 
and look what they've done the other night um, against the Roosters. The Broncos are playing uh, switch switch plays, which I haven't seen in ten years. Um, where actually at halfback would switch it back to a five eight or. And I think what they're doing, the Broncos halves in particular, they're playing a brand of footy that um, Wayne Bennett loves. We thrives upon that. He hasn't had halves like that since uh, Alfie Langer and Kevin Walters back in the day. And they, and they they feed off that mental telepathy type play where um, there's nothing planned, um, but if you go somewhere, I'm going to go with you. And, and look at that. And McCull- having McCulloch at hooker as well um, and Darius Boyd at fullback, that's a sensational spine they've gotten. Um, and the Cowboys, their spine isn't too bad either. Nah, it's not bad at all. And uh, I think particularly it, now that Morgan's back and firing, uh, that yeah. makes a massive difference. His health. Well, he wasn't uh, healthy the last yeah, time Grant, these two Grant played. Probably, he, he's close to the bye of the season. It's ironic he's coming up against his old club. And then Lachlan Cooper, well, we've got some ties to him here in Penrith. Obviously, a Penrith junior, Windsor junior, and um, had a horrific injury in the nines last year and missed the whole season. But this year he's come back and basically once he came back on the side, they didn't lose for a long time. And He's one of the reasons they're there and I think JT acknowledges that. Mm. What about, um, I think Corey Parker said it on Sterlow a few weeks ago that one of the first things Wayne Bennett said when he came back to the Broncos was how did the club manage to lose Jake Granville? Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, he, he was able yeah. to identify how important he would have been to the Broncos. Obviously, they've got McCulloch there, but he could have been a, good, a good partner. Yeah, well, Nick is now gone as well, so it just proves it's nah, hard to keep... That's the other Nick Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. Jaden's um, gone. But, yeah, it just proves, I guess, um, you know, how good Wayne Bennett is at identifying talent. Um, Anthony Griffin obviously didn't see the value that Wayne um, saw in him, and therefore he's landed on the... Uh, landed at Townsville, but I think Paul Green had a connection yeah. with him. Paul Green, to... he played 20s in the same side that had a ridiculous amount of hookers. The Broncos 20s at the time, they had Andrew McCulloch, who was hooker of the year. They had Kurt Baptiste, who was an Australian schoolboy, and they had Jake Granville all go for their 20 system at once. Baptiste, so... that's your younger brother, isn't it, MJ? That's yeah. my little mini-moon. <laughs> Dr. Evo. <laughs> <laughs> he is exactly like you at every single wedding, except one-eighth your size. He had a cult leader. Don't uh, give me a hug. But... Don't look at me like I'm freaking Frankenstein. I'm standing here. Come give your father a hug. I think probably the only thing uh, lacking from his game, but it's not really an issue at the moment because they've got a decent set of halves, is the kicking. He doesn't kick too often out of dummy half. But I thought about it a little bit more today. I think, you know, they've both obviously got outstanding halves. They've got good nines. They've got good fullbacks. My big thing, um, I suppose, is probably the most important thing these days is sides that have a great bench, the bench tend yeah. to win. And I, I look at the Cowboys bench, they get a lot out of Ben Hennett. They've got a lot out of him this year. Scott Bolton, they've been brilliant. And then Asiata, he's from down this way. <clears throat> I played against his uh, older brother, who was a fantastic ball player as well. They get so much value out of that bench. And I look at the Broncos, and I feel 
it's probably not as quality, but they've punched so far above their weight. And in particular, Jared Wallace and Mitchell Dodds have really picked up the slack since they lost <clears throat> Maguire. And um, I, I think looking at it from that sense, I think that's the one flaw maybe of the Broncos this week. I think Corey Parker, Matt Gillette, all these starting forwards, Semi Thider, Adam Blair, they have to absorb a lot because he doesn't tend to give a lot of minutes to those bench guys. And um, that's going to come into play this week against the Cowboys. Well, that's him also identifying that they're a lot stronger players than his bench. Yeah. You know? So you, you, you deal with the you know, the, the, the chess pieces you've got, you've got to work them in the way that yeah. best advantages but your team. I also think that suits the way they play. Because obviously yeah, Parker, Parker can play He's got 80. big minutes in him. Exactly. Gillette can play big minutes. Thiday's used to playing in the background. Even yeah. Blair. Blair's played all around the field. So those guys can absorb those extra minutes so he can minimise exactly. um, the effect that he has to give to the bench. But I think that's a huge factor in this game. Yeah, yeah I, I, I concur. I think Wallace and uh, Dodds were... Magnificent the other night. They just played their role perfectly. Didn't overplay it. Just they did what they did. Especially Dodds. Um, I've mentioned him too. And but I suppose that it's, it's all the big men up front. Um, look, I think see Scott and Tom out on paper. Um, you know, you'd rather have them two in your team than Friday and Blair. But the way Blair and Friday are playing, you'd rather have them in your team because they give everyone else so much energy. So it's it's, it's kind of a contrast of contrasting teams when you've got. Um, two, two blokes basically making a resurgence in their career in Friday and in Blair, and you've got two two Origin front rowers, current Origin front rowers in in Tamiao and Scott. Where the game will be won, you know. Obviously, Blair's impact the other night against a massive Roosters pack, where he basically took them on himself. He just said, "Well, you know what? I've got to step up here," and he did. And he looked great doing it. I, I must confess, I didn't think he had that still in him. And it's good to be proven wrong, and it's good to be. Yeah. So seeing blokes going out after a few ordinary years at the Tigers and, you know, fulfilling his potential. And it's, it's, a, it's a good story. That was the Adam Blair from the Melbourne Storm. I have, mm. I've not seen him since he left, and in particular, I used to. We've seen it in patches. Yeah, but I always used to say it to Brock as well. That was the Adam Blair that put on the black and white. When he puts a Kiwi jersey on, is when I used to enjoy watching him the most because he just went next level. But uh, that's as close as he's been to either of those levels in a long time in that game. He that, that was Adam Blair that was at Melbourne. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and both those teams have got that kind of. Um, the peripheral players who kind of don't, don't get spoken about much, you know, in the centres and, and the wings that just do their job. Corey Oates is, is an is an unlikely oh. winger, um, but he's he's like six foot six, and he'll probably have, you know, end up in the forwards. And then they've got Kane Linnett on the other side, um, who is very similar. Um, I like these type of players, and I love the way that um, you know it will be one of these players that probably get me out of the match in the grand final. Um, Looks like he's from Katoomba. With, with superstars, you'll probably get one of the. Um, you know, the lesser likes are uh, coming out and, and being there the match and because they've all got the ability to do it. If you want to highlight somebody for me that I think is getting not enough credit, he's had a fantastic year and I think can have a big impact. I'm going to back him for first try scorer, by the way, as well, is Ethan Lowe. Um, oh, he, he's been outstanding and this is another good job when we talk about identifying talent. <clears throat> the Roosters are so top-heavy that a lot of their good 20s players get stuck in the system unless there's obviously a spot for them. They can't move up. But the Cowboys have been one great beneficiary. They snagged Curtis Rona for a little bit there um, from them. They also took Ethan Lowe, who used to be the captain of the time I was playing there, whose pathway was blocked. And the third one is Asiato, who Paul Green coached during his 20s time. Uh, he was the lock of the year. He strategically took him up there. And obviously Jake Granville, who he played as a dual hooker fullback for Wynnum Manly when they won two comps in a row. He used to put him at fullback during attack. Um, he basically didn't defend, and he was just as deadly at nine. So... 
some great buying or strategic moves there that have really played into Paul Green's hands and the Cowboys' success. Yeah, I like the way he operates Paul Green. I like the way he conducts himself as a coach. Um, there's, there's, he had a bit of a hiccup there mid-season. He, he kind of got over it. He's got a good, uh, he's got a good uh, right-hand man too. My ex-teammate Cardi, Johnny Cartwright, who's um, probably play, playing a bigger part with the forwards than we think. Um, but it's 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 one of them games this weekend. They're predicting that it's going to be 35 degrees um, on Sunday. It probably won't be 35 degrees when they kick off, but. It's going to be a game played in heat, in other, words, in other words, and both these teams are used to the heat, yeah, so it's not going to affect, uh, you know, if this was Melbourne in the grand final or Canberra um, or the Warriors, you'd be worried for them, but no, these two teams are acclimatised to exactly what's going to happen on Sunday, which makes it another uh, piece of the jigsaw puzzle you've got to try and put together when you decide who's going to win it. Mm. Well, do you go back to, do you draw any, uh, anything out of the matchup they had in week one of the finals, or do you, just, do you think it'll be a totally different game? Because looking at some of the stats here, I mean, <clears throat> from a coaching perspective, I'm looking at it going, well, uh, the Cowboys gained almost 500 metres more than the Broncos. So that, that tells me yeah, straight away forwards. that you know, they, they've got better forwards, um, they've got a better ability to make metres, and their kicking game is probably a little bit better. Uh, they had the, the scary thing is in that game, Cowboys had 57% oh. of possession. And they still couldn't win. They were so, parked in the 20 as well. Most um, of the game you felt like they were attacking it was Brisbane just, It was also, Brisbane's discipline is fantastic. They they mm-hmm. won the penalty count in that game 5-3. So Brisbane only conceded three penalties and they only made five errors the whole game. Whereas the Cowboys conceded five penalties and made 11 errors. It's, it's a massive difference. It's double the amount of um, back-to-back sets you're giving the opposition. And for me, I think if the Cowboys can clean that up, um, they're going to be very, very tough to beat. Um, because Brisbane are so reliant on their defence and so reliant on their discipline um, to get them there. I think the Cowboys have got better talent across the field. I think we'd all agree on that. So if they can be as squeaky clean as Brisbane in terms of their discipline, uh, I think they're going to have too much firepower for the Broncos. Well, I was surprised with both these games. Uh, we're just saying, you know, I didn't think um, I didn't think the Roosters would get pumped like they did, and I didn't think the Storm would get pumped like they did. So to answer your question, I suppose. You can you can reflect on that first game of the semi-finals, but I, I don't think you can take too much out of it because it's a, it's a whole different scenario. Um, yeah. You know, Adam Blair didn't play like that in game one. Um, Matthew Scott didn't play like that in, in game one, and you know, then they've got the you know um, JT. Just it just seems to be JT's year. Uh, there's kind of a you know there's an aura about the bloke, and he's obviously going to be in, uh, you know, and this is probably up for. A big argument as well. He will probably be the next person inducted into the Hall of, Hall of Fame and become an immortal if he if he if the grand final out. Uh, if he doesn't, well, maybe they might look to a bloke like Norm Prasen who probably deserves it as well. So um, there's there's so much to love about this contest on the weekend, and so much to like about um, the way both these teams, as I mentioned when we first started chatting, and how they play. That um, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You know you're going to get an open game. You know you're going to get uh, some Adelaide rugby league, and you know you're going to get a lot of discipline. As Brock just said, it with the with the Broncos, which pride themselves on that. And every coach, uh, every team coached by Wayne Bennett does the same thing. They 
they do, you know, I think it was March this year until they put a football, like until they put it actually footy in their head. Um, pre-season, they just did, all they did was defence, 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 and they just, then they had, um, uh, when they had their week off, they, they back up, they by reports, uh, Corbo, who is their strength and conditioning trainer, who went up from the Melbourne Storm, um, I'm not pretty sure it's Alex or Mark Corvo. I always get him mixed Alex up. Corvus, yeah, Alex. Yeah, Alex Corvo, yeah. Alex Corvo. I played against Alex back in the day for the Raiders. And um, they had like a mini pre-season uh, in that first week they had off. So with that two-week break, they just got flogged. And they came out of the, they came out of the gates against the Roosters. And, and, and yeah, sure, they scored that try off a pretty ordinary pass by Kenny Dow. But they had to put themselves in that position to get the ball. You know, they, they had five or six blokes down there, which made Kenny Dow go, hey, yeah. Good chase. What's going on here? He, <clears throat> yeah. he wasn't. He's not used to seeing that that kick chase by so many people, and that's because they were fresh. And um, yeah, I, I think that two week break is going to be the thing that's going to probably get him over the lines. Even though um, you know Hodges, he, if he plays, I, I think Broncos will win and and win pretty comfortably. If he doesn't play, I'm, I'm probably leaning the other way towards the Cowboys. Yeah, well, we're about to get your thoughts on that, but um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think looking at what happened with that Luke and previous ones, I think he'll be pretty lucky to get off, to be honest. I think he'll get off. Yeah, no, look, I don't think there's anything going for him, Lewis, is the fact that, um, you know, I think there should be dispensations. When we, we know, we, we as rugby league connoisseurs know now these days, especially nowadays, after um, we're having the poor Alex McKinnon, we know when we see a tackle that goes haywire or it's wrong. That tackle on the weekend from Hodges on Guerra wasn't one of them. wasn't one of them ones where you, go, you can't look at it twice. It's one of them ones you go, okay, well, Guerra's kind of jumped up. Uh, you can even, actually, watch, if you watch it closely, he's done a, a forward roll um, on, onto his right shoulder or his left shoulder and tucked his head up right under his, his body. Pretty good yeah, technique. It, it, it might be dangerous. From a PE um, teacher perspective. Quality, but I, don't think, I really don't think a bloke who's played 250 games, and, and, and this has to be taken into account, I think. I, I really do. I think that if... If the actual player in the other team doesn't think it was bad, then and if he's if he's um, up to going into the judiciary to, to back this other opponent up, well, you've got to take his word for it. It happened with uh, Brett Finch um, when Clinton Shikovsky went in and said, "Look, mate, he didn't mean it," and he got off. So I'm thinking the same thing might happen. Um, I think there's a lot of there's going to be so much uh, debate once it's done. But I, but I look at Frank Pritchard. If Frank Pritchard gets off the other week, yeah, well, right. I'm pretty sure that. Um, that was probably worse than what uh, Hodges did on the weekend. Yeah, this is another scenario where I, I think if it's a grade one, and that's what he's been charged with, it should be you should be able to have the option to pay a fine. Uh, pay a fine. Well, I can't miss a grade final. Carry over points. Isn't yeah, carry over points. That's why. Like yeah, but yeah, but he's still it's a grade one. Well, regardless yeah. of the, I, this carry over points rubbish is it's crap. It should just be. The offence is the offence. If yeah, I drive charged, and I speed, charged. I get charged by, at, at the same rate as I do if I do it two hours later. I don't get carry over right. points because I've had a prior offence. Well, this week in your mind, it's double, double demerits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get absolutely pinned. Well, I'll, uh, be doing, I'll be doing a Louis sitting in the left-hand lane, doing 40. Yeah. I'll be, the, I'll be the Louis sitting in the passenger seat. No, that's right. That's what I do. I sit in the passenger seat. Oh, yeah, that's right. King Brown sitting in the lap. Three news. Get him down quick. That's the goal. King Brown. They get warm. King Brown. Oh, wow. How old are you? 58? Yeah, 100%. That was starting to get... You can thank all the traders at work for that one. I've picked yeah. up a few things from working with some old ducks. Yeah, but um, We're at that point. Predictions for this game. So... Who do you think will win? The game score and the Churchill medalist, the Clive Churchill medalist, mate. What do you reckon? Okay, I'll, um, I'm going to go Broncos. I think Broncos will win 
28-22. And I think the Clive Churchill medalist will be Corey Parker. Parker, good times. Boxhead, we've already uh, got your thought before, but again, you want the Cowboys? Yeah, Cowboys, I'll say uh, 22-12. And I'll say... Um, who have you gone? Thurston. Yeah, well, it's gonna, I reckon it'll be him or Morgan. Yeah, I think Morgan. And, um, and if I was going to say a roughie, I'd say Lowe. Ethan, Ethan Lowe. Yeah. Ethan Lowe's a gun. Um, I'm going to go the Cowboys 20 to 18. And, yeah, I've got JT, but if you want to go a roughie or a first try score, a bit out there. Back row is a specialties for this. I, I, I think Ethan Lowe or Gavin Cooper, if you're going to... If I've taught you anything, I've taught you that. Back rows and GFs. Yeah. Ryan Hoffman. <laughs> Ryan Hoffman. <laughs> Ryan Hoffman. <laughs> How many years I've paid off bloody loans and debts? Hoffman! He does like Ryan scoring Hoffman. in a big game. Hoffman! Yeah. Get in there! <laughs> <laughs> That's $21. Oh, yeah. good man. And Parramatta fans, I don't apologise for 09, all right? It was still a great day for me, even though it doesn't exist on the record books. Yeah. It does exist. Yeah, They've well, all still got their rings. I've still got the jersey that's signed and I got it on a discount rate, so I have to thank Melbourne technically for getting stripped. <laughs> Parramatta fans have got bigger things to lose, I don't imagine. All right, well, yeah, we're going to do, uh, I suppose we're going to you know, tip our hat to the Kevin Serrato in the 20s as well, but being so rampant this year up against the Manly side is kind of linked into the grand final, but they're going to be dangerous while uh, Trevojevich is playing, so um, another good game. You can get there early to watch the uh, tenor on the 20s who, who have got a lot of blokes who can playing that same uh, team next year, so they are, they are a side in the up. Yeah, they are very young. On that game, I'm, I'm going to be tipping the Panthers from what I've seen in the finals. I honestly thought um, the Cowboys and the Warriors might have had a good chances of going through, but Penrith certainly put the herd on there, and uh, they've already defeated Manly, so you think Panthers in the 20s as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah and I think uh, I'm looking forward to watching Ipswich play yeah. uh, against, against the Newcastle Knights, because uh, the Knights have just basically come from nowhere to win the, the uh, New South Wales Cup. Well, I don't be a ship, and the, and the this which is very much similar. The Blackhawks up there were, were uh, hot favourites, and uh, the Walker brothers have, have, bring, have brought a brand new type of footy to, to you know rugby league, which we all remember and love. Um, it's pretty simple. Enjoy yourself out there and just throw the ball around with gay band and then they've won the comp. So mm. take note, first grade um, coaches in the NRL. Well, even bigger for them is the fact that they have a massive uh, you know underspend compared to all the sides up there. And this Townsville powerhouse was linked to the Cowboys and had four or five ex-first graders on their books that were even separate in Ricky Thorby, Neville Costigan, um, Tommy Humble. So they had an absolutely loaded side. But um, Newcastle blew me away. I'm not going to take anything away from them. I thought Wyong and Mounties literally played their worst games at the wrong time. But I I have to give full credit to Newcastle. I had them week one. I had them yesterday and obviously saw them against Mounties the whole way through. They've just been... uh, pretty much outstanding and Jaylene Feeney and Jake Mamo in particular were two that led from the front uh, as yeah. well as their forward pack so I'd have to tip the Jets in that one though from what I've seen yeah Jets great, great day it's the best day of the year obviously um, you know it's, it's gone so quick this season I remember talking to you boys it's the exact same time last year and that feels like six weeks ago it's just amazing how how quick the uh, especially when it starts to get warm how quickly to get out the winter and how long it was and um, it's you know 35 degrees on grand final day. Wow! Take your zinc, take your block out, and uh, and stay lubricated. That's right. Take some King Browns, take an ice pack, and maybe a sombrero too if you don't want to get sunburned. Uh, there won't be any King Browns <laughs> with me down on the Panthers bench from 
That'd be a good no, look, wouldn't it? That'd be a good look. Down no, the bench. Just put, a, put one in the Gatorade bottle and say, well, yeah. well it's all right. <laughs> That's what you have a brother for. Everyone's got to have a brother for a reason. I'll be hanging over the fence abusing you wearing a different jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I might dig yeah. out that old beaver he's, he's looking. He's looking for a manly jersey. Yeah, I'm going to dig out that beaver jersey you used to have with Pepsi on the front of it and hang over the fence. <laughs> just giving it to you. You're a disgrace. Nick Kosef's Yeah, oh, I love Nick Kosef. we got something yeah, alike, yeah, man. You, 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 you two have got the same knees. Yeah, that's right. We both did our ACLs all the time. Yeah. We were, right, well, listen, come back to my house after the grand final and we'll see you uh, Sunday night and uh, let's have the best, the best team wins, eh? A few King Browns on ice there. Oh, oh yeah, that'd nice. be nice. <laughs> see if I make it home, but there you go. MG's got the Cowboys. Uh, sorry, he's got the Broncos. Yep. 28-22 with Corey Parker. He thinks Jets and Penrith. I think Jets and Penrith, but the Cowboys. Brock's on the Cowboys. Jets and Penrith. Obviously, with Penrith, you can't go with Manly. It just doesn't work that way, Charm. doesn't. All right. But there you go, MJ. Thank you for uh, coming on all the times you have during the year in the last couple of seasons and we might grab you, like you said, for the end of season stuff and we'll look back on what we predicted in a couple of weeks' time. What about um, Dally M before you go, MG? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean, who's going to come second? Well, exactly. Yeah. Roger Thurston, Thurston Minter. Yeah, I think Sheck. Um, I think maybe uh, Ben Hogg might be a little bit of a bottle. I agree. I said, that, yeah. I said that earlier. Oh, I think that'll be the top three. I think you'll find a log jam in those four spots afterwards with the Broncos, Harbs and Maloney and Sheck. I think those four will be... Uh, pretty much parked in behind because everybody else that was in contention when it went private yep. pretty much didn't win or their form fell away. Yep, stay tuned. There you go. Thanks, big Thanks, fella. Charlie. You can catch MG on 104.9, the Triple M's Grill team, Monday through Friday, and uh, he's going to be there this Sunday for Triple M, I believe, as well. 3 to 6, is that correct, big fella? Yeah, that's one of the gates, mate. Uh, Triple M will be there from midday, I'll be there from 3 to 6, and um, and then I think most they go till 11 o'clock at night, so it's a big day for the Triple M at the, uh, at the GF. So Excellent. if they need if someone to fill a spot, get to the TV or you're on the road, just make sure you tune into one of the 4.9. There you go. If you need someone on the panel after I've had 20 beers, I'll be fighting around somewhere. <laughs> All right. Yeah, come and say no, I'll get you straight on. That's hey. what we love at Triple M. Oh, good. I might, I might bring some hecklers with me. We'll see if we can stir up some, a bit of rousing. Oh, oh, You're a nobody guy, our dad said. Love you, Charm. See you, mate. <laughs> well, it's been an absolutely massive show so far. It was outstanding. Brock to obviously have Paul Kent come on, um, talk about the book, and obviously a bunch of issues. We could have talked all day uh, rugby league with him. He's an absolutely outstanding uh, person that we can uh, hopefully get back on in the future. And then MG, who we've had on obviously since day dot, Given his thoughts about the grand final, but now we move into the usual stuff. The fast five, the highlight, low light, best, worst, any questions uh, from last week. So what was your highlight? Oh, the Cow- I think the Cowboys getting through to a grand final. Uh, yeah. Look, they've probably been my second team. Obviously, the Titans haven't you should you know, set the world on light. But, uh, look, I just think for Jonathan Thurston's sake, I'd like to see him cement his legacy. I think they're a good side. I like Paul Green. Uh, there's a lot to like about the way they play footy. I, I respect the Broncos immensely, and um, I think it'll be a great game, but I'm pulling for the Cowboys, and I'm glad they're there. I think they deserve to be there. Well, I'll be pulling They've had for, a few dud, yeah, duds. Yeah, but I'll be pulling them. for the Cowboys in the same fact that you said, but I also think the Broncos have still got a heap uh, ahead of them how young that side is. They do. I think so, the Cowboys are probably coming to the end of their run. and Yeah. This, uh, the Broncos are just starting theirs. The bulk of that side uh, may still be there again next year, but you've got to feel that Thurston's got to start slowing down eventually. And Matt's got with a degenerative neck injury. Well, look at Thurston starting to get a few injuries. A few yeah, niggles. well, all those things. And the degenerative neck injuries, you think if they win a comp, at least the pressure goes off. They might jag another one, who knows? But um, you'd really feel like this one is the one 
that is there for them to take, hopefully. Uh, my highlight was the Broncos team try when they went back to the ruck there. Obviously, Milford and Hunt linking up, and then Hunt hurdled a man there to get the offload and back inside to McCulloch. I didn't see a whole lot of the Walters brothers during their time playing with Alan Langer, but the reference they made on the TV made me have a look at some highlights uh, over the weekend and what a sight they were back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, I mean, that, that was well before my time, but watching Langer and the Walters brothers play, they, they could play some football. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what about your low light? Uh, I think the performance of both sides that lost, I think the yeah. Roosters and the Storm were pretty poor uh, to a large degree. I think the Roosters were worse than Melbourne. I think Melbourne, you probably found out their class. like They, they, they were probably... I don't think they deserve to be beaten by as many points, and I don't think that was probably a fair reflection on the game, but I think they were probably just a cut above those top three sides um, when, when the whips got cracking, but uh, the Roosters, they were they were very poor, and that's a disappointing end to what was such a promising season. And, you know, they were the shortest-priced favourite since Parramatta in 2001 heading into a final series, So, uh, and they didn't even manage to get to the grand final, which is be a massive disappointment for a lot of Roosters fans out there. Well, two years in a row with it's, it's been three minor premierships, obviously the first year they swept all comers before them got the title but the last two years, two minor premierships and didn't make the grand final in either instance, so um, I think we spoke about it, I thought last year they're on second gear, this year I had feelings of that again but you could kind of feel them starting to pick things up, but they might have timed that run a little bit wrong, they come in so hot 12 in a row um, right, and that's I, I said that. And then obviously, into the finals. like you can't. It's I, hard to sustain. I, I never right. would have put Pierce back in though. That was my kind of other thing. I, I, yeah, he played Hastings. Never said it's fine. They'll swap at second half. But I think sitting on the bench can give you as much energy being burnt watching the game or worrying about what's going on. So I, I never really felt positive heading into the second half. And then my low light, a bit more on a personal note, was Corbetti's punch. Uh, he didn't even connect. So what a waste it was. And he got himself chucked in the bin. That pretty much. Put that game to bed. I never really felt that we were going to win. I felt we were under the pump. They got repeat sets, and in particular, they carved up Green and Man's Edge. But that was really just uh, insult right there. They scored that try. He threw the punch. And if you're going to throw one, at least cop the bloke on the chin. But, mm. yeah, once he went there, I, I just kind of sat there and thought, there you go, that's that's definitely game over. What about your best? Oh, I think the performance of the two winning sides, I think by far and away we've got the best uh, two teams on form in the grand final, and they were both very convincing uh, in those games. I was disappointed we didn't get closer games. That was probably from a selfish individual point of view, but, uh, look, they were, they're were they clearly the best two sides. Yeah, well, my highlight, my best, sorry, uh, was the halves pairing for both sides. I thought mm-hmm. Morgan and Thurston were outstanding, in particular Morgan. I thought he was best on ground. I know they gave it to Thurston. Um, but I thought Morgan was next level. He had a hand in a couple of tries, scored a double, and just yeah, all around that edge, he torched Green and Man. Mm. And then on the flip side, Milford and Hunt. They had no traffic around them, so they were fresh as daisies, but the amount of involvement they had yeah. uh, and the brand of football they played. I, I'm not surprised that Milford's gone the way he is. I thought he was a fantastic player, but the development in particular under Bennett and the partnership with Hunt is outstanding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were my best. We're both pairings, but who was your worst? Uh, well, I think the worst decision of the weekend, well, there was a few. Uh, I think to play Mitchell Pearce, that was a terrible decision. He, yeah. he wasn't fit. Uh, as I said to Kenny earlier, I, I got pretty good mail that he it had glued. a... Yeah, it was glued to his bone. He tore the hamstring off the bone, like terrible injury. Yeah, uh, and it was in behind the knee, which is a three-month injury at least, uh, and he's come back, tried to come back in half that amount of time. Uh, the other one, obviously, the glaring one is Kenny Dow's pass. Um, you've already highlighted Corabidi's punch, but yeah. if I was going to highlight 
you know, the reason why I think Melbourne was so poor was their left side D, but you've already sort of touched on that as well there. Yeah. They've got run a train on down that edge, and um, it's been of concern, some concern well, for... How many times... I think the Roosters sort of opened them up a little bit there, yeah. but never really went back there, so... How, how many times in the last two years have I said my one, <laughs> my one issue the whole time has been our edges? Mm-hmm. I think the Chambers edge isn't so bad, but the other side has been an issue the last two That's seasons. Terrible. Um, and we have no recruits coming in in that regard. We got yeah, but I don't think it's a personnel problem. It's a, it was well, a structural to, to me, problem. Kurt, they, Kurt they were Mann, making different decisions. Kurt Mann was never a centre. Mm. He we we bought him similar to Munster as a very young bloke from Newcastle who's from Queensland who was a half fullback, and we played him in the halves obviously and got him to learn off Billy and the great system there. And obviously they thought highly enough of him to plug him there. But Mahi didn't work mm. there. Young this played more on the wing and at fullback. Heimel Hunt. Used to be a junior rep centre. He struggled, especially that Bulldogs game. We saw us get demolished at Belmore that day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they tried to manufacture one out of probably the better player of the lot, and it just didn't work. Mm. He's not a centre. Um, his best spot's probably halves or fullback. So I, I can't knock him. He, he tried hard, but that's an area I'm very surprised we haven't addressed. We're still going to have Chambers. Munster probably goes there next year. Will he defend well there? I don't know. Um, he, obviously, his attack's absolutely outstanding, and I think he was our best player, but... I don't know who they're going to put in there, but my worst was the same deal. Sean Kenny Dow. Um, I honestly think the week before he was man of the match and he was absolutely outstanding. But yeah, it's just one of those nights you have as a player, unfortunately. And to him, it happened in a, in a very important game. Um, his, fir- his first moment, and then it just didn't get any better. So yeah, uh, a very hard night for him. What about uh, any questions? No, I think we've got a fan forum coming up, so we'll uh, delve into some. Then you got any for me? No, not really, at this at this point into the season. We've spoken about a lot of footy today, so I think we've answered most questions. But but in quickly, I suppose, looking at those other competitions that we have the last couple of weeks, uh, the Newcastle Knights upset the apple cart from seventh spot. They won 20-10 yeah. over the Wyong Roos. Disappointing end all around, I suppose, for the Roosters last weekend then. Um, that being their feeder club, outstanding performances by Memo and obviously Jaylene Feeney. And in the Queensland Cup, Ipswich, the dream story. Uh, find their way to beating Townsville, who are an absolute powerhouse, 32 to 20. And the beautiful thing I saw on YouTube was the first try for both teams. Um, Blackhawks, typical NRL setup, block, block, crash over in the corner. The Jets go from the right-hand corner, 10 out, couple of long passes. Then I think it was Pandy or Velikarpa, his name may be, skips across defenders, gets Marm and Barber in the clear, who goes 90 and basketballs at back in field. Um, so that's our state championship match this weekend. Should be a good game. Newcastle, I must admit, a bit like Wyong, like to chuck the footy around, and the Jets definitely like to chuck the footy around. So yeah. state championship will be a cracker. In the under-20s, the Penny Panthers, I think it was 52-16 or 50-16, absolutely towed up uh, a Warriors side who I thought had a very good chance, even though this is probably not one of their best sides personnel-wise. They're just men. We've talked about that. Um, they're men, and they, they always seem to find themselves in the right spot. And a huge upset in the other game. Uh, the Cowboys, I didn't know they were going to be missing Bill Kakao, who potentially will win the 20s player of the year tonight at the Daily M's, but he didn't play, and it showed. Oh, it did. Uh, they, they struggled for direction, but I tell you what, I'm not taking anything away from Manly, but they couldn't have done any more to help Manly. They made error after error. They gave away penalty after penalty. They, they could not have done... Todd Payton in the box was frustrated, and I can't blame him. And he stood up at the end and it didn't look... Yeah, it wasn't a sympathetic look on his face, that's for sure. I think he knew that was one they let slip. That was a terrible performance, but... Uh, full credit to Manly. They dug in the whole game. They kicked a lot better. That was a massive issue for the Cowboys' halves, and uh, they're going in against the Panthers. So, 
What about the uh, Super League? I think uh, Leeds finally Leeds got their run. Leeds got there. They, they won uh, on full time, didn't they? Yeah, 20 to 16 over Huddersfield. So they secured the league leader shield. So they've got two out of the three um, now. So they go in this weekend. And these are straight eliminations now. You've got one versus four, which is Leeds versus St. Helens. Uh, and you've got two versus three, which is Wigan versus Huddersfield. So uh, if I was going to tip two, I'd, I'd tip, I think I said it last week, um, I liked Wigan St. Helens. Um, I think... Definitely Wigan will beat Huddersfield, uh, and then you can toss a coin. I think Leeds will have the home field advantage. That should be enough, hopefully, from my perspective, to get them over the line. But that'll be a very, very tight game, and St Helens are defending champions. So uh, I think Wigan are the only real team that you can lock in um, into that grand final. Didn't Huddersfield beat a couple of these teams on the way in? Yeah, I just don't. I just don't. Don't see I don't think they're yet in that class. Like, obviously they are. I think them and Castleford are... Not fairly similar, but they're they're around the same sort of class. I think on most nights, St Helens, Wigan, and Leeds would beat yeah, beat the rest beat of them. them. And Huddersfield Warrington had a disappointing year, didn't they? They're one of those sides yeah, that should well, be around the mark. You, you would have thought at the start of the year, you would have predicted them to be in the top four. Um, but they, they finished four. six, and same as Catalan, they they finished right yeah, down yeah. below. Well, Todd well. Carney did miss a lot of football, so I suppose that hurt their chances. Yeah, and then you got the super, uh, the million pound game, which is going to be between Wakefield and Bradford. That's also on this weekend. So massive. Massive weekend, um, and, the, and the winner of that game will go into Super League. The loser will go down um, into League One. So, been an in- interesting, interesting weekend. All right, so Super League, we've got Leeds versus... Leeds versus St. Helens. All right, and then we've got the other game, Huddersfield versus Wigan. Well, Wigan versus Huddersfield. And yeah, the Leeds last... and Wigan uh, are, the, are the home teams. Yep, and the million-pound game for the last spot to re-enter the Super League. Yep. Wakefield, who are already there, and the other three sides were already a part of it. But there is a chance that Bradford find themselves back up there, a former powerhouse back in the day. Yeah, uh, and Jimmy Lowe's is Academy. coaching them, um, who's a former player. So yep, I uh, right. had financial troubles. So yeah, they obviously did. But Sam Burgess and a lot of fantastic players. Wakefield have had uh, a lot of off-field issues. Yeah, uh, Kevin Locke, Tim Smith, Bain Smith. Yeah, I heard uh, you and Mister Gossip talking about that last week. So yeah, um, good times. Look, it'll be. Uh, if I had to tip, I'd say Wakefield, but I'd, I'd I want to go Bradford. I'd love to see Bradford go. Uh, I love Bradford. That's the, that was similar how you were on Leeds. Bradford, my team, when I was a kid when I first watched. I used to love that field and bloke, and he was an absolute peanut. Stuart Field and he Willie Mason threw one as soon as he tried to shave up. <laughs> <laughs> that that day. And Wigan paid that. the Nations. Remember Wigan paid that ridiculous transfer fee, and he was never the same. They were like, he's the best player in the world, and he just. He just died in the ass after that. It was like uh, Gordy on Ben Ross. Did you remember they were called the Juggernaut and their coach was yeah, Brian yeah, yeah. Noble and they had Jamie Peacock and all Leslie those Leslie Vanacorlo. Oh, what a side that was. That was ridiculous. And that, yeah. that well, was it Harris had, um, and the other bloke in the halves? No, they had the Paul brothers in the halves. Is it Terry something? I can't think of his name. That hooker that unfortunately I think he passed away or he, he may have committed suicide. I think he I played think for him. Yeah. Terry Newton maybe, was it? Terry Newton. I can't did he play for Bradford, did he? I thought he yeah, was at Wigan. I, I thought he was a Bradford player. Okay. Because Kieran Cunningham and Roby were at Wigan. I'm oh, not Wigan, sorry, they were at St. Helens together. I think Bradford, uh, was it, it was Newton or I can't think of his name, but uh, they had a hell of a side back in the day. They won a couple of titles. Matty Elliott was there for a bit, wasn't he, as well? Who? Matty Elliott was at Bradford at some point. Yeah, he point. was. Yeah. Him and Carl Jennings and uh, the crew. Yeah, well, there you go. So those games. Uh, They're all on telly. I'm pro- I, I'd be. Bloody devastated if the million pound yeah. game isn't on TV. I'm pretty sure it is. I know definitely the the two semi finals are, and I'd I'd be very surprised if the million pound game wasn't because they've been showing the uh, the bottom eight 
Uh, yeah, the qualifiers game. They've been showing the best game of that every week, so I'd, yeah. I'd imagine that'll be on as well. Well, there you go. So the million pound games there, and obviously those finals, the under 20s final this weekend Penrith versus Manly, the state championship, the Jets versus the Knights. Uh, and obviously, the NRL, you don't need any prompt uh, prompting for that game. We know who's in that. It's an all Queensland grand final, big brother versus little brother. Big chance for the North Queensland Cowboys and Jonathan Thurston to finally win the title against the powerhouse Broncos. It is. The million pound game's on midnight uh, or midnight Saturday night. Yep. And I've got messages yesterday about kickoff times for the NRL. I know that on the website, the Toyota Cup, or sorry, the Holden Cup, I can't call it that anymore. I've still got that stuck in my head. The Holden Cup is scheduled for a 135 kickoff. The NRL grand final is scheduled for 7.15. So just plant the state championship somewhere in the middle there, probably around four-ish or... 4.30, you've got to take into account presentations and all that kind of stuff and delays. So. I've got an email before with the starting times, hang on. But yeah, you can guarantee that the midday coverage will probably be the case from Channel 9. They'll probably get stuck in nice and early from lunchtime onwards. You'd think so. Oh, yeah, def- it'll be before that. The f- Sunday footy show will run straight into yeah, the coverage. Well, they'll smear imagine. everything, basically, straight away from Wild World of Sports all the way through. So you can imagine rugby league smattering from almost 9 in the morning to 9 or 10 at night. Jeez, so, tough life. Uh, outstanding. You love it. I do love it. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's uh, it's the saddest time of year for me. It's the best day, but as soon as it's over, it's over. I have to find something to do. Yeah, I've got to start talking to my partner again. And... Commentating's over. There's no footy to watch. There's no 20s to watch. There's no cup to watch. I've got nothing. Mm. And it's hot. I hate the heat. I, I, I love it. I love the heat. It's good times. Well, speaking of the heat, things are about to heat up with Mr. Gossip coming on for the final time this season for the grand final Preview. We'll obviously get the tips between me and him and Brock's even staying around uh, this time for Mr. Gossip. I think it's the first time this year and we'll give you all the odds for the grand final games, uh, all three fixtures and any other betting options thanks to WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. It's time for your weekly dose of goss from Mr. Gossip. And for the final time this year, oh, actually, probably not. We'll probably not the final it. time. We'll, we'll get him back Jesus. for the, the preview. Uh, not the previews, <laughs> the season review and all the rest of it. But for the final time in a competition sense, Mr. Gossip and Brock's here as well. He's finally turned up. We're Jack. reunited. Oh, this is fantastic. How it's, are we, lads? It's only taken 26 rounds. The, the, whole beers, final the beers are flowing. I've got him on the Heineken, so... I'm the Heineken. I'm the, I'm the touch spew, eh? I've, uh, yeah, I've, you know... I've sacked Peroni as my sponsor, podcast sponsor, um, <laughs> and we're on the Heineken and Superdrive. So. I'm still trying to pick up two he's new, but no word yet. Yeah. Well, hit, me, hit me with some love. Come on. Blue Bullets, King Browns. That's the that there's the sound of school holidays. That's what that sound. Of. You know the one thing, the one thing I've got to take from this from everyone that will listen to this or anyone that does bother to listen, we do appreciate you. Is the just the slow decline of professionalism from the Paul Ken interview, which is absolutely brilliant and all prim and proper, um, to the MG one where things got a little bit loose to the point now where yeah, um, we can play all styles. The, the grand final, yeah, we definitely can. Yeah, we can. Uh, we, I, I have split personalities. I've got serious issues, so this mm. is no no problem for me. But Goss. Brock's here. What's what's doing? This is this is a bit awkward. This is like a, a father meeting his son for the first time. <laughs> we can't talk about him anymore. Yeah, no. I've been sacked. I listen to it every week, hoping for a rap or something. Get nothing. I just get <laughs> I just get slights every week. 
I have to come on and bloody yeah, defend, in, defend myself the next week. In our defence, there is a lot of listeners that have you know said that Brock's not happy. So there's been a happy scale that came well, down. That bloke, <laughs> I said to that bloke, and listen, he didn't know it up uh, in his end of the bargain, wherever that imbecile is. The happy scale. I said to him, you need to do the happy scale if you're gonna if you're gonna judge me and and tweet us and. Angry tweets. I love You them. need to every week rate me out of 10 on it, my anger. It was more sarcastic, but I did enjoy it. The happy, yeah. the happy scale. Well, where so. are you now, mate? I, I hope you say happy scale. He's <laughs> probably probably not listening. That's where he is now. Yeah, you've scared him off yeah. with your psychotic nature. But, mate, Excellent. Uh, grand final week, massive time. So I'm guessing there's not too much dirt, but there always seems to be something cooking. Yeah, always something cooking, mate. I've got a few things here. And we'll uh, start with Conrad Hurrell, who's right up there with SKG as IQ of a cabbie. Hasn't <laughs> 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 had the best of years, Conrad, on and off the field. Uh, but look, he's on the outer. No great surprise there. Looks like he might be headed to the Auckland Blues. I don't think he's a great loss to rugby league wow. in general. Uh, but yeah, an interesting one there, boys. Well, I remember last year when I was talking about him coming to Melbourne and I thought he wouldn't last, but I was kind of hoping you were about to serve me up a lob there that we were going to get him on a bargain buy. I'll tell you what, if Cardi was still at the Titans, we would have given him a contract already. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're all blues. I think that's uh, that's where Matt Duffy's going as well, isn't he? Mm. So they're, yeah, they're someone's a, someone's in love with rugby league. They're doing yeah. a fair bit of shopping. They're, uh, yeah. They went all right this year as well, I think, from memory. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe not. I think it, who won it? The Highlanders won it. Uh, it didn't, I, don't, I don't bloody watch it. Was it Willington? No, no Willington lost to another New Zealand side. I'm pretty to, sure it was the Highlanders. I'm pretty sure the Blues actually did it. Right. I think you're right. I don't yeah, know. No, I don't think they did. I think they might have. No, it was the Hurricanes, wasn't it? Hurricanes Hurric- lost the final. And yeah. I'm pretty sure to the Highlanders. We'll have to look at that sometime during yeah, the show. But who cares? This isn't a rugby but show. Yeah, no rugby. Harrell, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's disappointing because honestly, if he had his head screwed on, and a few weeks ago. New South Wales Cup, he got dropped back for the first week of the finals. And he was terrible. Everyone was giving him a rap, and I actually yeah. cut him down and basically said if he... He got had, 10 in the bin, I think. Yeah, I said if he had yeah. the right attitude, um, he'd be playing great. It's as simple as that, because everyone was giving him pats on the back about his talent. But talent only gets you so far. When you get to that level, um, it's the other 90%. Talent's just a small portion of the NRL. And he was selfish on that day. He gave away a couple of penalties, made it personal. Uh, Mitch Barnett baited him. He doesn't mind a bit of a stink, the cameraman. Uh, he got player of the year, and... Uh, he caught him out. He got put in the bin and they conceded a couple of tries. So it was a, yeah, just yeah. pretty much the exclamation point on the end of his year that he even stuffed up a New South Wales Cup. You can only live off potential for so long. Exactly. And that's why the Warriors, I guess, have kept the uh, commitment keep on persisting with him. But uh, the runs are sound on the board and you can't continue to allocate that much money. And I guess the no. squeeze has gone on for the Warriors because they've got all that talent heading over there. So they've got to cut the fat. How many times in the last couple of years have you read a story where he's been put in training with somebody, lost a couple of kilos and straightened up? I've read that three or four times. Um, it can't keep happening. So if they're going to sounds pass like, ways, Sounds like me before City to Surf and the Blackmores. Yeah. And then, and then I have a, a week afterwards where I'll just put all the weight back on. My attitude's just poor with the weight. That's just stayed on. I've been losing none of that. Good times. Excellent. Well, he's a household name in New Zealand all for the wrong reasons, of course. Yeah. yeah, we all know what getting a Connie. You reckon means. that's the wrong reason? I don't know. I reckon he'll be, he, you know, like <laughs> that's his he, might, he might not be remembered for, for being a, a brilliant player, you know, but he's definitely going to be remembered for something. He will be remembered for being a human speed bump on other people, yeah. being a little bulldozer. Lucky he didn't hit a speed bump <laughs> yeah. on that trip. And the Connie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I might leave that one alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good times. Might have been Connless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, boys, moving on. Manly uh, today released a surprising statement that uh, Clinton Gutherson has been released. Um, looks like he may be headed to Parramatta on a two-year deal. But, look, young guy, he's 21, uh, utility player. Uh, look, he's been injured this year, but I'd like to get your take on him, boys, whether 
you rate Gutherson or not? Yeah, he's a good player. Definitely a very, very good player, but just injuries is a concern. But I'd gather that Manly would be releasing him um, at a decent rate. They'd probably be picking up some of the salary uh, out of yep. that deal. And Parramatta, he got nothing to lose, really, because he's if he if he does stay fit, he's going to offer value for money. Parramatta need a centre, basically, because the Hopawato situation, you can imagine he's going to be moving on. That's a lacking position. He is more a full-back, but he is definitely equipped to play centre or wing. Yeah, a prodigious talent who played 16s, 18s, and 20s New South Wales, um, and a goal kicker as well, so he'd be a decent pickup. Mm. He would be. Yeah. All right, boy, moving along. Uh, Steve, clear on that one. <laughs> Sorry, you're still going, brother. No, so I'm still clear of that one. This, this, is why, this, this is why he got the sack. This. Yeah. Good, sack me. Free up an order week. Go on. <laughs> All right, go, brother. You're up. I'm up? Yeah. Who's up? You. You're on. All right. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> go I back. Are you going to count me in or something? No. Give me go. an ABC or a... No, we're, we're, we're on the air. We're going. No, go back. No. Go back. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. we're, not, we're not stopping. It's play on. Keep going. Oh, really? Keep going, right? Yeah, play on. All right, fuck it. All right. All right, boys. West Tigers have finally announced the uh, a signing. It seems to have been a long time between drinks for the West Tigers to sign anybody. But they've signed Raiders young forward Joel Edwards to a two-year deal. Uncle Louie, I'll be interested to get your here on uh, Joel Edwards from the Raiders. Well, at the back end of the year when he was injury-free, watching him in cup, uh, he was very good. But, uh, again, uh, you look at buyers and what they need, uh, they definitely don't need Joel Thompson. They're pretty pretty loaded up as far as young forwards and a couple other blokes they need to still keep, like Arvasi and Manafungai. Um, they definitely need to keep him. They need a prop, but... Say that ten times fast. Yeah, Arvasi and Manafungai. Or as I call him, Ava seems like a fun guy, but... Mm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he was, he was very good at the back end of Cup. The Raiders, I can see why they're offloading him, but I just don't understand. That the, you, this just shows you the, the cap pressure that's on how the much, How much are we talking, Gossip? What sort of cap? No idea. No, nothing's yeah. been released as far as money goes for I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't sort of make comment until I knew how much, but yeah, yeah well, it seems like a depth buy. It's the depth buy, but this just shows their cap situation. And the New South Wales Cup didn't go real good either. No. So they should have done a lot better to be they honest. Did. I, they did. They I almost had them right up there to win New South Wales Cup. Looking at the games I called during the year, they were one of the more NRL yeah, heavy they? as weren't far they, as. Weren't they? They just knew how to lose a game. Well, they they've, like, they've punted their coach. They looked like the first grade side, basically. The attitude just seemed to flow through. Punted the coach. So he's been there for a long time, I think nine years, and he, he got the sack. So Was it Paul Fletcher, I think, maybe? Yeah. Was the one I, got oh, yeah. the punt. Yeah, no, I can see that maybe pushing himself around the fringe of first grade, but yeah, their cap situation. Um, they're looking for some bargain buyers. So well, he bad. wasn't getting a run at Canberra. No, nah, well, he fell out of favour once so he got hurt, both. and a couple other blokes emerged, especially Barnett, got New South Wales Cup Player of the Year. So, yeah, um, yeah he's definitely not going to be getting a run in Canberra. All right, boys, still with the West Tigers, um, Martin Tapao. He has one year left to run on his contract. Um, interesting enough, the Tigers offered him a $1.1 million two-year deal, and he's thrown it back in their face. So what can you read into that? I don't bloody know, to be honest, but does, does Tapao look elsewhere? I know the Bulldogs are very, very keen, and as always, the Roosters are always linked to anybody and everybody, but um, interesting one, 1.1 million for two years is yeah. worth it. 550, he's not... 550 a year in would his, be the maximum I'd pay. You, you look at it this way, in his best form, yes, but when things got hard at the back really? end of the... Uh, when his best form mm. at the start of the year... If he does that for 24 rounds, you keep him, but... Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah, but this when is not has he? Yeah, well, that's where so you're paying Let me finish first. The back end of the year, when things mm-hmm. got tough, where did he go? He disappeared. 
He got suspended. Oh, look, if, if I'd seen it, as good, yeah, so I'd he, seen it yeah. for a consistent period of time, then yeah, but definitely not. I had mail, not just the South thing, but he wanted to go to the Gold Coast for some reason, and I don't know if it was for lifestyle or what it was. But he wanted the, Dave Taylor. They were talking position. that he basically was very interested in going up to the Gold Coast. He wanted so. to kick off and play in the centres and bounce the ball before yeah. the game. Great, yeah, good times. <laughs> play with the Tonka trucks. Yeah, first half of the year, Martin to power. If that, if that's a full season, then what he does for New Zealand. I could understand that. When things got hard at the back end of the year, um, there's no way I could look at him now and say, okay, you justify that kind of money. Maybe around the four mark uh, with some incentives and some targets in there, but 550 straight up's a fair whop for a bloke that kind of had a 50-50 year. Yeah, it's a fair chunk here, Cap. Mm. Mm. No, I couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. All right, last one for the night, boys, and we seem to touch on just Josh McCrone every few weeks, but... Um... Looks like he's finally made a move and he's off the Dragons uh, on a two-year deal. Another depth, depth signing, you would think, for the Dragons. But uh, at least Joshua McCrone finally finds a home. They love buying Raiders players, don't they? They buy every don't Raiders they? player they can yeah. get their hands on. But um, as reported, there was interest from Manly. Uh, watching him in New South Wales Cup the last few weeks, he didn't have a great run. So I, I'm not really surprised that that may have fallen away. And now there's talks that Isaac John is obviously heading that way. But... The Dragons are in the same situation. Cap pressures forced their hand. They let go of Merrin. They let Morris go last year. They freed up some coin, and they've basically bargained by Tyron McCarthy, a lot of these kind of fringe players. So I think similar to the kind of the Tigers situation, Cap pressures dictating what they're doing. And um, honestly, I couldn't see him playing even over Drew Hutchinson if one of the halves got hurt and went up a marshal. Well, so. they showed their hand with that anyway, didn't they? Because he, he came in this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe as a utility sort of cover because he can play a bit of nine, he can play seven, he can play six. They had two halves. As you said, it's a depth boy. That played well in the juniors in Clune and Crook. So either of those guys, even what I'm saying, it's... Yeah, but you'd think that if they they were looking for someone outside of Hutchison, they wouldn't have played Hutchison, really, wouldn't they? They're going to put the time into him. You're talking about the junior kangaroo, junior New South Wales Wales player. So he's the next one up. So this is honestly, again, just... So he's going to be straight away fourth in the depth chart in in the halves at Least. Yeah, you'd like to think, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, that's everything from you, Champion. Certainly is, Sunshine. Hey, well, uh, the tips last week we went one apiece, so uh, <coughs> you find yourself now on 120, I'm in 122. We've only got three games this week, so you're either going to basically going to have to roll the dice uh, yep. and, and try and jag. So, what is he? One behind? Two behind. Two behind. So, with three games to tip, he's going to have Have to... you been tracking the scoring gossip, or you just trust uh, this? Every week, no, I update I, it. I just trust this, this yeah. young fella. He's a grub. Mate, I've it's kept on, every single week's tips. Uh, if <laughs> I know you, know you have. I right. know you have. This bloke. Look at you get up. He's the first week he gets on. upset. First week on, and he's just throwing, you know, throwing rocks <laughs> I've got to shake it up, baby. Glass houses. It's all going If he on. didn't have the right numbers, we'd get a tweet for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, obviously, the games we've got, we've got the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com, our fantastic sponsors. If you want a chance to win a $100 free bet from William Hill, look out for our Pick the Score competitions on the NRL Gossip page. And uh, a big thanks to them for our charity account this year. Those winnings are going to the Guide Dog Association, uh, a very worthy cause. So we start things off in the under-20s, the Holden Cup kickoff at 1.35 p.m. It is the Penrith Panthers, the minor premiers versus the fourth place Manly Seagulls, Tommy Trebojevic is coming back, having a good impact. Um, they've got a couple other good players, Addison Demetrio, some solid halves. I also like a back rower, Luke Garner, I think his name was, but Penrith, an absolutely outstanding side, the best team all year. This one's fairly easy. Still can't get a player nominated for 20s player of the year. Yeah, well, what that's a different a, argument. But what a G up. I'm, uh, I'm going the Panthers in this one. Yeah, 
Uh, I've got to go to the Panthers. So the defense last week against the Warriors was fantastic, especially for um, the Holden Cup side. And I tell you what, that Manly a couple of years ago, they were bludgers in the in the Holden Cup. So they've come a long way in the, in the short space of time. So, but look, Panthers. I think the Panthers will get them by plenty too. Am I allowed to tip this game? Or? Probably not. You said you couldn't tip all year, so you can't start. Can't, can't I tip my own team? Well, we said that earlier. Oh, you, you, you have to, so yours is easy done. Otherwise, your bread's not getting buttered, champ. Uh, but the odds for that one, it's got a dollar forty for the Penrith Panthers. Their favourites there, Manly, $2.90. You can't write them off because they've definitely done it the hard way to get there. Penrith beat them uh, week one, but they're without Sione Katoa. Nathan Cleary will be available this week, but interesting to see if Coach Serraldo does pick him, considering he played Aussie schoolboys and they won last week um, with a different pairing. But... There's some fantastic depth in their side. The Jets, Ipswich Jets, they won the Queensland Cup over the heavy favoured Townsville Blackhawks. And the Newcastle Knights come from 7th place and beat Mounties and Wyong and Penrith along the way. 1, 2 and 3 in the New South Wales Cup to win it. Uh, Those two up against each other. From what I've seen from Newcastle, they have been very good during the finals. But the glimpses I've seen of the Jets, they were fantastic. And last year, the bookies' odds against the Pride were absolutely ridiculous. They've been a bit smarter this year, but uh, I'm sticking with the Jets. Their brand of football, I think it'll be very, very exciting come grand final. Yeah, Jets, they win. Yeah, well, I've got to pick Ipswich Jets, but um, for the tipping sake, I'm going to go with Newcastle. <laughs> oh, wow. Because of... <laughs> you love Clint. Because I win the tipping top. Yeah. You love Clint. Clint's his man. Yeah, Clint needs my boyfriend, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I, I tell you what, I'm really looking forward to this game. Anyone out there? If they've seen Ipswich Jets play, they love to throw the ball around Chance around. It's fantastic to watch. It'll be an absolute beauty. Can't wait. Um, go the Knights. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's brilliant. That's outstanding. The odds there from WilliamHill.com for the state championship. Newcastle, $1.55 favourites. The Jets, $2.45. That's a big adjustment last year. The Pride, massive with uh, Cowboys players, were like $5.75 or something ridiculous. Yeah, and but also, Penrith won the New South Wales Cup. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah, but they won it in a can last year. So what? They I, don't think, the... I honestly don't think the standard of the New South Wales Cups as Pride. High. Panthers had a loaded side. Yeah, Pride had a loaded side as well, but the no, I agree. completely I, I agree. spat in the Queensland Cup's face. But I think this year, I'd, I would have almost had the Knights at, at least $3 in this game. If I was sitting there, I'm surprised it's the other way, but I'm, I suppose they're looking again what everyone's overlooked in uh, the Queensland Cup, that the Jets spend a lot less money than everyone else, but the style of football they play just seems to work against everybody, and yeah. they knocked off the heavily favoured Blackhawks. So it's a bit of a slap in the face again for uh, the Queensland Cup, isn't it, as a standard? Oh, a lot basically, more. they're saying that the standard of the New South Wales Cup's much higher. A lot more respect than the odds this time around. I couldn't believe last year's. That was uh, absolutely ridiculous. But on to the big mama. It is the Brisbane Broncos versus the North Queensland Cowboys, 2v3. Uh, We saw an absolute blockbuster week one. They had mixed results against each other during the year, but this will be a fantastic game of football. I'm going the Cowboys, going Jonathan Thurston's way. I think it'll fall there. Morgan's been great, and I think the difference is uh, the forward pack and the bench. Uh, The Brisbane Broncos bench, they've been great with their contributions. They've made up for the loss of Maguire, and they chip him where they can, but I just think that the Cowboys have got a bit more yeah, wow, I'm glad you tipped the Cowboys. I'm riding the Broncos high. Uh, Wayne Bennett doesn't lose grand finals. Uh, the Broncos have never, ever lost the grand final. So, You're going down, Wayne. Um, 
Sorry? You're going down, Wayne. Lewis is still... <laughs> Lewis wanted him sacked from Newcastle last year, and now he's in the grand final. Yeah, but we all know, we all know the motives behind that. Yeah. Cousin, Cousin Gary's out there You've somewhere. death-ridden him. <laughs> yeah. Death-ridden Wayne for years, mate. Well, you're a grub, you Shepard. You didn't put him in the oak. You didn't put him in, you didn't put him in the oak. I didn't put him in the oak. And, and I'm happy one. to put my hand up and say, but I didn't do it because I hate Wayne Bennett. Like I didn't you do it because I hate Wayne You're Bennett. a grub. <laughs> I, 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 I lost the grand final. I wanted Newcastle. What is he, 6-0? Yeah. You bet. Ridiculous. Jesus. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's going to be a fairy tale for Hodges. Well, if that is the case, mate, we got predictions earlier. MG uh, picked the Broncos 28-22 to with Corey Parker, the Clive Churchill medalist. Kenty, he went the Cowboys uh, with Michael Morgan, his Clive Churchill medalist. Brock, he had Cowboys 22-12 with Morgan, his Clive Churchill medalist. I had the Cowboys 2018 uh, with Thurston, my one. That's a pretty obvious choice. But what about you, mate? You think the Broncos, but what game score and who would you pick for the Clive Churchill? Yeah, I got 22-16, the Broncos, to win the grand final. And Corey Parker, he'll get the uh, Clive Churchill. He's a fantastic footballer. Good bloke too, Isn't Corey he Parker. Remember he when he won our player of the year the first year and we tweeted him and he retweeted it and said thanks? He is a gun and like a fine wine. Sign of a decent bloke. He only gets better with Absolutely. age, old Corsa Parker. <laughs> He's done very, very well. Um, the odds for that one from WilliamHill.com. The Brisbane Broncos, North Queensland. Pick them for the grand final. I love a pick em. $1.91 a piece. That's absolutely outstanding. 1 to 12, you get $3 for both sides. 13 plus, four fifty a piece. Uh, the overs and unders is 36 and a half. And if you want a 12 and a half start, you're wasting your time because it's grand final week. A dollar fifteen yeah. for you there. And looking <clears throat> at the Clive Churchill market, the favourite, and surprise, surprise, Jonathan Thurston, $3.50. Still good odds, but yeah, Anthony Milford and Benny Hunt—they're both six fifty nine dollars for Morgan Parker, uh, the next Bronco up there with ten dollars. Boyd is fifteen, along with Hodges, Thayday, Matt Scott, um, Granville seventeen, Tarmow. I'm looking at a couple of roughies down here. I think McCulloch could be a roughie at twenty one dollars, and if you're going to look at somebody else, uh, Ethan Lowe we mentioned earlier at uh, what is he? He's fifty one dollars. He's a very very good play, Ethan Lowe, and back rowers generally tend to score the first try in the grand final. So those odds aren't up yet, but um, he's my roughie if we're going to be looking at that direction. Yeah, he's been yeah, he's been sensational in the final series. Wow. He's been sensational. Yeah, he's been good all year, but he's stood out a lot in the finals. We could be level, couldn't we? <laughs> well, yeah. then? If, if it's level, <laughs> I, I say we have a fist fight because I've got a big head and I'm going to back... Oh, listen, <laughs> listen to this guy. <laughs> listen to Mike Tyson. I'm going, to back, I'm going to back my melon in to break both your hands and then I'll just push oh, you over. Yeah, he won't, he won't throw a punch, but he'll win the fight because you'll break your hands. I'm going to do the Homer Simpson. <laughs> I'm going to stand there and take it like a man and then when you break both your hands, I'm just going to push oh. you over. Surely there's some dodgy game going on. I think, actually, <laughs> I was talking to um, David Tanganatara in the gym and there's a game... Uh, September, yeah, Cook yeah, Island versus Samoa. So there you go. You can have a have no, if, if it is equal. I mean, we we decided the tipping comp a few years ago on Jim's on Samoa on some <laughs> freaky game in the World Cup. So yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you both should. I think I think I won that year. I reckon we should pick a foreign sport and just have no idea. <laughs> And then just pick. Yeah. I reckon like Saudi Arabian soccer or Nude something polo or something like that, or handball, yeah. Euro- Euro- extreme European handball. <laughs> and we'll pick a side, and I actually might watch Eurosports for the first time in my life and try and figure out what's going. Maybe on. we could get together and have an eating contest. You versus <laughs> oh, Good luck. Oh, I, I, I did better than that than a, the fifty contest. So I got the muscles of a budgie's penis. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, like I said, I've never thrown one before, but I've got a huge head, so I'd, I'd just back myself in. Depends whether the budgie's been a part of the Essendon doping scandal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely not. It's getting ruthless, but gossip, mate. Uh, it comes down to this week, 122 to 120. It could be all square. I bloody hope not, because I don't want to bet on uh, some foreign sport. But if it comes down to it, European handball or something of the like, we'll decide it. That's all your dirt from Mr. Gossip. His tips, our predictions for the grand final and all the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. Gossip, enjoy grand final day, Champ. At least you got the 20s in there along with Boxhead. You've got something to smile about. Melbourne obviously fell over, so a little bit sad for me. But uh, finale, it's all over. Time to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be donning the old Penrith jersey on the weekend and, and cheering for the young fellas. So, fingers crossed. Good times, mate. And one more thing. Dally M, who runs second? We obviously know JT's probably going to win it, but who do you think the runner oh, is? Who runs I'm, third? Um, spot. Uh, wow. Jesus. Um, well, I think we've we've come to the conclusion that Thurston's going to win it. Yeah. And Chiavasa Shek, we think, is going to run second. I reckon there'll be <clears throat> Shek. And then we've both tipped, we've both tipped the same trifecta. I reckon it'll be I Shek, Hunt. Maloney, yeah, Hunt and Milford gonna... all piled up together. I was going to say Hunt, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think... not, not, not a lot of confidence, but he's, he's had a terrific year. Yeah, I think both of those... Who was on top when it went? Like, obviously Thurston, yeah, Thurston. was. Who was around? Oh, Madalino, Woods, that's what I'm saying. Austin, all those guys fell away, and Shek was the only one kind of the picture. So no one else really were tallied. The Broncos went yeah, on winning Hunt, ways. Boyd, Boyd sort of came back and played all right in a few games. And Milford played very well. Yeah, in Milford a few and games Hunt there. would have stole votes just like Maloney and Sheck did because Maloney got a couple of men in the match awards and so did Sheck. So yeah. I think those four. I hope, I hope Hunt polls higher because I think he's he's been very good this yeah. year again as he was Honestly, last year. Yeah. I, I, if they let me pick like top five, I reckon those four will all be. So what are you saying? You're saying Thurston, Milford, Hunt. Maloney, Sheck. Sheck. But I think if you wanted me to go in order, I think Sheck and Maloney probably polled more. But I think Hunt and Milford are in there right after. I think there'll be a cluster of those four yeah, players it's, it's from hard, those two hard sides. To argue. So, hard to argue. Yeah, on the back end of the year, that, that's what I'd be thinking. He was good Hunt last week, wasn't he? Unbelievable. Oh, absolutely yeah. outstanding. And that's the key probably to the grand final. Well, the those scary two thing is he's still, he's still getting better. He's still developing. Still, yeah. you know, he's, he, for probably the next two or three years, he's going to continue to get better. Well, I said it earlier. If you're it's picking, his first year under Bennett as if well. If you're picking a new... Halves pairing tomorrow. Right. Oh, Hunt goes in before Cherry Evans at this point. Yes, tomorrow. absolutely. Yeah, uh, I honestly think he's played better. Well, football. You think, no, but I think if you've got to take someone's halves pairing. Well, if you take, oh, I'd be happy to go those two or have Morgan with Hunt. To be honest, I think you could work them in there. Or if they're short of centre in a couple of years, Morgan can play in the centres. I know it's probably Morgan not the best Hunt thing, but play fullback. Um, there's plenty of ways they can work things. Looking good for those lucky bastards. But we've gone off track. <laughs> Thanks as always, Gossip. See what happens with the tips and enjoy the grand final. Fantastic. Thanks, lads. See you, mate. Alrighty. Home stretch. We've had Paul Kent talked about Sunnyball and just rugby league in general. That was absolutely outstanding. MG on for his grand final thoughts and a general chinwag. And then Mr. Gossip. Brock, you haven't spoke to him all year. That must have been interesting. Yeah. Love the bloke. Like a uniting of uh, two lost souls. I, I thought it's, yeah, first time I've had beers on a Monday all year and it was just as a tribute to gossip. Yeah, and it got pretty loose. So now that he's off, I've, I've stopped drinking. and Quite quite typical though, it got loose like it used to, a bit yeah. off track, but good times Good uh, for everybody out there. We're going to finish off with your fan firing questions, quick fire and then Dally M uh, predictions on some of the position awards tonight. Firing through straight into Facebook, Graham Wright, great podcast mate, I only discovered it a few weeks ago. 
Disappointing season for me as a Warrington fan. Sound now not firing yet. Quick question. If you could choose one area for the NRL expansion, where would you choose and why? Well, I think we've talked about this one. Well, I spoke about Warrington earlier in the podcast. Well, you brought it up that they had a disappointing year, and they yep. did. Uh, Sandow not firing yet. I don't know whether he will over there. Um, however, uh, if he does fire, he's well up to that standard of footy. Um, NRL expansion, interesting one. Well, I think the second team in Brisbane is an absolute no-brainer, but I wouldn't call that expansion because it's not into a new market. Yeah, if you had to go... Uh, I think Perth. It's Perth if you had to go new, but if you wanted another team... In I'd go Brisbane. ...two areas that we could go, we've said it before. Brisbane's probably number one, number two is another New Zealand team. You reckon another New Zealand team I reckon team we could handle that a lot. Mm, I don't it's, know. I think they've got the talent. I think the Warriors is all about just two coasts. I think we'd be mad not to have the Central Coast... But it looks like that ship might have sailed. There's a per- beautiful stadium there. There's plenty of yeah. Someone it's a growing someone area. Someone needs to move. Someone, <laughs> I think I, I agree with the move, and I don't think you could get. Rid yeah, of but I don't think anyone else. moving there is going to work. It no. hasn't worked previously. But yeah, if, if it was a new area, Graham, it'd have to be uh, Perth, probably from both of us. And we're, we're, we're glad you enjoyed. Good the question, show. Graham. Good one. Glad you enjoyed the show, champion. Make sure you listen in to uh, the season review and the awards, and get on board next year and tell your mates about it. But Phil Bazak. How do the Tigers move forward from yet another embarrassing season without sacking the coach? Well, you can't sack the coach. No. Nah. Absolutely no way. They've, they've bought in, obviously, to what Jason Taylor's doing. paid out a million of them, too. <clears throat> well, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I've got people on the ground there, and uh, they're pretty confident that they're moving in the right direction. Obviously, uh, the only thing that's going to break that is if there's a breakdown between uh, CEO, coaches, board... Well, which has been the end or the, the the fractions that have caused issues previously. I don't think that'll happen. I think Robbie Farrow, as much as they've come out and said lovey-dovey that things are all good and he's going to stay, he'll, he won't be there next year. Yeah, well, that's, uh, even though Pasco come out, I think... <laughs> that's the mail I've got. He won't be there next year. It, it's a very interesting situation, but they're going to have to stick strong. And I think on the flip side of it, uh, unfortunately, Phil, we know they're hamstrung to the salary cap regardless of even if they do offload. Well, they're hamstrung Robbie with those Farrell, three young so, kids, as Kenny said yeah, previously. We already know they've gone overs in years prior, and they're basically stuck. Well, now they're saying we're not going overs. Well, they're stuck for a couple... They're trying of, not to. They're stuck for a couple of years, so sacking the coach is not going to fix anything. If they believe in him and they believe in his systems and things are going the right way... Um, they should definitely stick with him, and particularly because they've paid so many of them out over the last couple of years. Yeah. And who are you going to get? That's the other thing. If you sack this one, this is number three in a couple of no, years. But then you get a coach come in and says, oh, well, I've got to they reset. They start again. Exactly. So that's it's ridiculous. They're, they're, they're at the point where they can't, can't do it. Can't do it. No way. But, but I, I don't see a reason to anyway. But, no, yeah. they can't do it, though. They've done it too many times. David Crellin, what's more important to a junior progressing and success, playing in the under-20s green final or playing in the Australian school boys, e.g. Nathan Cleary? Well... I don't think there's any issue with what he's done. He's played Australian schoolboys as a super rare opportunity. It's basically, uh, you know, who's who generally of who goes on to play NRL. The bulk of these sides go on to play. Was it poor on his part? I can't blame him. If I ever got picked to play Australian schoolboys, I'd play too. And he's got two years left to I think, play in this I think you'll find that, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know this for sure and certain because... Uh, it's been the last thing on our mind, obviously, last week and again this week in preparing the side. But um, I haven't asked um, Cameron about whether, you know, he said it, it'd be okay. But from knowing Cameron, I, I'd imagine he would have said, go, you've got to do it. I, I'd imagine Ivan probably would have said the same thing, go and do it. Because it's, as you said, it's a rare opportunity. You don't, Australian You're not going to get that opportunity it's the again. Um, he's graduating HSC. Uh, it wasn't a 20s grand final, it was a semi final. Yeah. Um, obviously, it hurt the team to an extent, but I think the strength of our season Brilliant has been our, our depth and our squad. 
Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just think that it would have been encouraged and we got through, so he's now available to play this week. Whether he gets picked or not this week, I'm not too sure. Um, I'd imagine he would, uh, but I'd, I'd definitely... Well, he said he doesn't expect to. I don't have to, the final word on that. Um, and I'm sure his teammates wouldn't hold a grudge against him because he's been fantastic at the back end of the season. And Australian schoolboys is once in a lifetime. I'm sure under-20s grand final is, and they may not get there again, but Australian schoolboys is a massive The point is he can privilege. play 20s for the next two years. Exactly. So. He's only 18. Nigel Huntley, he's got a double whammy here. Who can you see being this generation's Johns, Lockyer, Thurston? If they keep performing, Hunt, Milford, Austin, Johns, uh, Johnson, Sheck, etc. Well, out of those names you've probably mentioned, um, if Hunt continued on this climb, even though he was a bit of a late bloomer, having to play 100 games basically off the bench first, could be him. Milford's definitely done some really, really bright stuff early, and if he plays like he is right now, he's going to be outstanding. But uh, out of that crop, I'd probably say Sheck. If, I'd say Sheck. From what you've seen, there's a lightning rod so far. Sheck. Especially due to the Warriors. No-brainer. Sheck. Yeah. As a Broncos fan, this is Nigel Huntley again. I'll be thrilled with either winner of the grand final. Love the Cowboys and JT as well. What teams would you not care to lose to if the Storm or Titans made the GF? So who... Who will we not care to lose to? I, I'd be filthy to lose. I'd be glad just to get there. To Mate, be well, basically, you'd have to highlight. I'd just be filthy if we lost to anyone, basically. But if you wanted to highlight... If you want, you want me to say that the, the, three, the three teams that I don't want to lose to, yeah. the Dogs would be up there. Mm. Not a fan of the Dogs. The I'm, Eels, because yeah, I'm just absolutely yeah. surrounded by Eels fans. Uh, and then outside that, I think, obviously, the, uh, the, the rival for the Titans is the Broncos. I... Big brother, little brother. As a Titans fan, I'm not a p- big fan of the Broncos, to be honest. Yeah, well, mine, as a Melbourne man, basically everyone hates us, so I'd be filthy if anyone uh, <laughs> lost to us. But it's Manly. Manly and the Bulldogs are pretty high on the list. Yeah. I, d- I do have a bit of a gripe with the Broncos as well, because they ruined 06 for me. They broke my heart. But I, I harbour a little bit of issue with the Maybe dra- the Roosters? No, nah, I harbour issue with the Dragons, big time. Really? Yeah. Why? Oh, just a few people that, I, <laughs> that I've got to know. Not the Dragons, there's people that support no, the Dragons. Just a few. I, I've got no problem with them, but there's a few people. There's just some people you meet and they go for a team and they rub you the wrong way. Yeah. You're like you with Parramatta. I've got a couple of people in my life that are Dragons fans. Uh, one in particular I work with, he's never wrong. They're the best players in the world. Everyone else sucks. Everyone's crap. Yeah. And yeah. And they finished eighth. No offense, but he's never played football either, so it really frustrates no, that's me. That's even so. more annoying. Sorry, Dragons fans. <laughs> have, have a hit up and then have a perspective yeah, on that's the game. one. I've offered him to run at me at work. He hasn't done it yet, so. Excellent. Good times. Jason Blake, who's your pick for the state championship game? Knights are no doubt favorites, but you've got to love wow, the really? style of play. Well, they've been named the favorites, but I'm quite surprised. I thought it'd be... A dollar eighty, two dollars, either either, or maybe pick'ems again. But yeah. I'm with the Jets. We both thought Jets. Um, I don't care if they. And I think the Queensland Cup, the top end of the Queensland Cup, is better than. You know the best thing bottom. about this, though, they have one NRL contracted player, and they are basically five or ten times less money. Yeah, they've team. got a lot of players that have been at NRL clubs and yeah, but not made it. That for group has been together as well, and the most of them are Ipswich players, which is the brilliant side. Only Matty Parcell is going to Manly, and a fantastic player from the Broncos is yeah. there. But um, yeah, that's their bond. They're they're a genuine team. A lot of them are Ipswich boys, so good on them. And uh, yeah, we're going for the Jets. James Douglas, what do you think of the way AFL Brownlow's voting system? Could you ever see the way the Dallium is picked being changed? So, oh, I'd love it to go to something similar to the. Uh, to the that's where you Brownlow. get suspended and get taken out, is that? Yeah, I'm well, not a fan not of that. that. I'm not I, a think, fan. I think if you sat down and you mix both of them together, you'd come up with a. I don't like system. that. That one charge can knock you out for the year. That's ridiculous. That's I just don't like it. Yeah, well, I guess it could like, be like American sport where they have all these people vote and they that's how they work out their MVP. I don't like that because 
Oh, just, um, just that one side. Like, you get one week and you've had a brilliant season and you just clean everyone up and that that crosses you out. I know there's fair play, but that's that's pretty harsh, I reckon. Maybe if you get suspended twice, something like that. But, like, to be... No, how we've got it now works for us. I like the way it works. So, if you combined, I think, our, like, little idiosyncrasies with the Brownlow system. I like the Brownlow system better than our ours. Yeah, well, I did. I mean, and I like the night. I like how it counts. I like how they do every round. Like, yeah. it's all hidden. I like that. Because it creates conversation and speculation. Well, I looked today, and the reports were all different when I was having a look at it. Just for the brown line? Yeah, I just had a yeah. look at people's predictions, and they were all so different, it wasn't funny. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind how we got it. Probably the only thing, I did a t- tally this year, as you know, to see how it would work out. The thing that you can't change is the effect of a side winning. Generally, a winning side tends to pile more votes than somebody. I, I was happy to give threes and a couple of twos to some blokes from the teams that lost, but it's just hard. Um, it's harder than you think to actually poll those votes. So yeah. I still had Jonathan Thurston winning. Um, Sheck, I think, was second. And there was a massive pile-up. Those four players I mentioned earlier, Hunt, Milford, Maloney, uh, and Sheck. So that's all the Facebook questions. Jordan Redwell on Twitter. Have you guys got Rugby League Live 3? If so, are you liking it? Well, I've got it, but I haven't played it. I've got it. I've played it. Uh, it's pretty similar to our ones. But, you know, it's the same company making it. I've had this <laughs> argument too, and people say, why don't EA Sports make it? I just put my head in my hands. It's not a global game. It's not worth millions of dollars. Their technology and their development is absolutely ridiculous. But it costs them more to make it. Yeah, exactly, they and they don't. That's just a stupid question. I'm a big Madden fan. You're a FIFA fan. Yes, yeah, so I love Madden. Global games, global product, massive production. They make the money back. But yeah, yeah. it's it, it's. It, I I just love the fact it's rugby league game. I bought it and I am enjoying it. So yeah, good one, Adam Stevenson, who has been the most underrated player in the final, uh, in the finals and the season for me. It has to be Andrew McCulloch or Ethan Lowe. If you're talking about finals, I'd probably agree definitely with Ethan Lowe. McCulloch's been underrated all year, as has Lowe. Uh, in this season, thinking back, Lowe would be there again. I think Sia Soliola, underrated. Josh Hodgson from Canberra. There was a lot of guys you could probably bring up. but um, Yeah, there's, there's just a couple of names that spring to mind that were underrated. Yeah, Ethan Lowe for me uh, all year. He's, yeah. he's been very, very, very good. Um, through a few others, I, I don't know about underrated. That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, Josh Hodgson didn't get a lot of rap. Oh, Hodgson, Hodgson definitely won the Raiders Player of the Year, and I think that's you know pretty deserved. I think Blake Green to an extent is been yeah, underrated. Went under the radar at Melbourne. There's there's a lot of guys you could bring up. Um, but finishing off a double whammy here from Gavin at Ernie Oz. Do they? What, oh, sorry, it's a two part one. So we've got can Brock explain how Penrith scout for whatever better term their juniors? What happens when they get them in the system? Do they rate them in positions? E.g., best young halfback, second best, etc. How many kids get signed by the clubs? How many kids from ours get signed from other clubs? Oh, well, a lot, there's a lot of questions there. But um, scouting's done by Mark Hughes and Jim Jones. They're the recruitment um, fellows at the club. Uh, we did have Matty Cameron there previously. He's now moved to the Tigers. Um, but basically, <laughs> Penrith is obviously the biggest junior league in the world. So uh, there's a lot of talent there to start with. Um, <laughs> The problem we probably have out here is that there's dominant clubs. St Mary's are very dominant, so a lot of these players go through and not play soft football, but they're very dominant in their juniors, um, and a lot of players tend to come out of those stronger clubs. Uh, externally, I think we don't sort of, and especially since Ivan and Phil have come in, they don't really look at external unless they have to. Like if there's a if there's a, uh, a want or a need, there's a want, so we go and look, but... Um, they've built some connections out at Bathurst and Orange um, and over the Blue Mountains. Uh, but obviously they've signed, you know, for 20s we've signed uh, a few 
uh, Tamari Martin, and yeah. who's a bloke from North Queensland? Viliamo Kakao, who most likely win the 20s player of the year tonight. Um, so they're both coming as well, but I, I think that's probably for more of first grade. Well, they're both too old anyway. Next uh, year. But there's been a few changes in recent years. Like when I first got there, it was more development-based. They just picked you know 20 or 30 players. Now development is it's 80 players, and then they, they uh, take those players in and they do clinics and play games and whatever, and that starts during the preseason. Uh, then that f- squad gets finalised for games against other clubs. Um, they now have open trials for Harold Matthews' SG ball. They never used to have that uh, for 20s as well. Um, so from a scouting perspective, I guess we're trying to catch more fish. The more kids you get through, um, you get to look at, the better chance you are, obviously, then of, of picking the right ones. Uh, I think the problem that we've had in re- you know, probably when I first got there, was we weren't keeping the right players. I think we're starting to um, keep the right players, and that's showing through in our results. Um, when they get them in the system, basically, uh, there's now a Panthers culture. There's a um, you know strict values and guidelines that the club likes to stick by. So they they're pretty much not read the right act on that, but they're certainly uh, left in no uncertain terms about what the values and. Uh, you know the culture of the club is and what the club wants to be viewed as um, but you then look at things such as our systems a lot of stuff is passed down from first grade and it's developmental so you know um, this is the way we want to defend this is the way we want to attack these are the little things we do and that just gets built year by year um, there's a lot of stuff going into physiotherapy um, recovery injuries like long-term uh, player development so there's a lot of stuff being done there um, in terms of positions, that doesn't really... Like, you don't get rated in positions until you actually break down your squad. As you'd know, we, we used to do it. This is how many we're going to carry. If we're carrying, per se, 45, we'll then decide who, how many in each position you're going to carry, and then you carry utilities or, or whatever. Um, how many kids get signed by other clubs? I think a fair few. Um, that's happened the whole whole way along. Well, I left when I was there as well. Um the thing is, you can't keep them all, but you just want to keep the right ones. I think that's sort of... Well, they're doing a better job of that. We are, definitely. And I, I, think I think so. The biggest point to take out of all that that I like is the alien development because there's always kids in those weaker sides, like you said, we come from brothers, not as strong as St. Mary's. There could be a good halfback who plays in the side with a poor forward pack and he doesn't get to show his wares. But yeah. in that setup, they mix him in with, say, the dominant side, whether it is St. Mary's and his forwards, and the kid stands out. Yeah. So they're making sure they get a look at all angles and they mix these kids in with good players in that system. And the point is, people will argue, and you'll get parents that'll say, well, my son didn't make it and there's 80 kids picked. And, you know, their son might be the 81st or 82nd best player. Yeah. Previously, they were picking 25. And the problem then was is that you're probably you're probably a, a better chance if you're a, you're the 25th or 26th best kid at uh, 13, 14, 15. You're probably a better chance of progressing through and playing mats and ball. If you're the 81st, 82nd kid, you're probably not. Mm. So I think we're catching more fish, as I said, trying to keep as many there as we can, put them through the system, try and develop them. It's more um, more competitive now the way they're doing as well, though, which is yeah, good. It's lifting the standard all around. But I think uh, Gus and uh, particularly Gus, I think is sort of bought it in a culture thing. Like, he just wants the wants them to walk away with better values as as people. They want, uh, you know, their families and uh, people, you know, within their life to respect what the Panthers is about. Uh, they want to walk away. Whether they play first grade, whether they play whatever, uh, walk away as better people. I think we're doing a pretty good job of that. So, um, bit of a long-winded question, but, yeah, we could, I guess we could 
go on about it for ages. Yeah, well, that's the fan forum. We thank you very much for all your questions. In quick fire to finish off the Dalliums tonight, fullback nominations are Sheck, Tedesco, Coote, and Inglis. I'm quite Sheck. surprised. I think Dugan deserved it, but Sheck's hands down. Wing, Radrara, Holmes, Rona, Corobiti. You could make an argument for all, but you'd have to lean probably towards Radrara, wouldn't you? I think Valentine Holmes. I think Corabetti and Rona have got cases as well, but I think Rad Rara. Rad Rara was leading try scorer, wasn't he? I think he probably gets it, but uh, and he broke the uh, Steve Ellis record. Yeah, but Holmes uh, kicked field goals. Rona scored, did work, and Corabetti's awesome in yardage. Well, I think so. they're very similar. That I think lot. all that lot are very good, but I think Rad Rara probably just grabs it. Centre Josh Morris, no idea how he got nominated. Will <laughs> Chambers, um, James Roberts, Jennings. This one's very hard. Because Roberts probably would have polled well when he, you know, when they won or when he played well. Yeah, but it doesn't um, go but, on polling. I thought because Benny, no, Benny Hunt last year was the highest polling halfback and didn't get it. Oh, well, there you go. Well, so, it, this one, I've, I've seen a multitude. Some people gave Chambers, some people gave to Jennings. I kind of thought Roberts had a few, probably more standout games. But if you went off consistency, Chambers or Jennings probably gets it, I, I think. I'd have to say Jennings, but... If, yeah, I'm probably leaning towards him. I'd really like to see Roberts get it. I, I think, think Roberts a great is year. outstanding in a much harder environment. So, But yeah, I think they'd probably give it to Jennings. 5-8, this one's the other one. You could give this to any of these blokes. But Blake Austin, James Maloney, Anthony Milford, Michael Morgan. If you were going to go again, who collected the most votes, it's probably Maloney or Milford. But Morgan was brilliant. Austin didn't have a great back end of the year, but Canberra kind of struggled. Who would uh, you I'm go? say James Maloney. I think he had the most consistent year out of all those. I think he was the most solid, but if they gave it to Milford, I wouldn't be surprised. And big ups to Morgan, um, making his origin. Austin debut. had a real hot streak yeah. there too. He, he was really good, but back end of I the year. I think Maloney was the most consistent out yeah, of that lot. I agree with you. Halfback, this is hands down. Jonathan Thurston, the other nominees, Pierce, Cronk and Hunt. Uh, props to Benny Hunt. Locke, Greg Eastwood, Corey Parker, Cor- uh, Jason Tamalolo, Paul Gallen. I'm going Parker, but I, something gives me a feeling they might give it to Tamalolo, which nah, Parker. would bother me. But no. Parker uh, yeah. won Origin Player of the Year. He's he should get, he should get the Rep Player of the Year. But um, <laughs> second row, Josh Jackson, uh, Wade Graham, Aiden Guerra, Tyson Frizzell, I give it to Wade Graham easily. Graham hands easily. down. And yep. I'm surprised Ethan Lowe wasn't considered or Gavin Cooper for one of the nominations. Aiden Guerra will go close. He was pretty good. But I couldn't, uh, I say, Graham, I couldn't see Jackson or Frizzell going anywhere nah, near Graham. Graham, Graham, was, at hands Graham down. was brilliant. Props, Aaron Woods, David Clemmer, Maria Hargraves, and Bromwich. I think Bromwich broke the record or made the most metres, most hit-ups, all those bits and pieces. If you want to go on consistency, yeah, Bromwich. it's Bromwich. Uh, Jared caught fire for a bit there for half a year, but he got injured. I think Woods almost led it after 10 rounds. He led it early, but yeah, fell away. So <laughs> I think Bromwich, Madalino, Matt Scott, honourable mentions. I think they weren't nominated. Yeah. Hooker, Innes, Cameron How Smith. How is Matt Scott nominated? Uh, well, he's not. He's neither. my love affair. But... Madalino was the other one who was pine high. It wasn't. Uh, Michael Innes, Cameron Smith, Jake Friend, Jake Greenville. I think Innes wins it just because of what he'd done for the Sharks, but um, you could definitely make a case for Jake Greenville, I guess. No, I think I think Innes deserves to win it. He I does think deserve he's to win it. Similar to Wade Graham. You take Graham and Innes out of that side. Oh, big time. They're rudderless. And, uh, you know, that's why we give Val, Holmes, Val Holmes a rap, too. He was only yeah, winger, fullback, good. try scorer, kicking <laughs> field goals. Honorable mention in that one to Josh Hodgson for Canberra, who had an outstanding season. Coach of the year, Wayne Bennett. Uh, Paul Green, Trent Robinson, Shane Flanagan, Wayne Bennett, surely. He's... How didn't Bennett get a nomination? Uh, how didn't Bellamy get a nomination? Oh, well, probably just every year being around yeah. that mark. But... Uh, Bennett, we, we discussed that before. I can understand these couple from the situation. Rookie, this is the interesting one. Everyone had Bird, he's obviously there. Solomon Carter, Tuimala Lolly here, Regan Campbell Gillard. They've got Kane Elgie. Um, I, bet, so I thought he played last year, but he didn't. Jackson Hastings, Cameron Munster. You would have asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have flipped the coin between Bird and Lola here. But the way Munster come home, I'd be giving it to Munster. Munster was brilliant. 
And Jake Trevojevic didn't get a nomination, which surprises me. Uh, I'd probably... Jack Bird was very, very good. Uh, I reckon Jeez, uh, I think LG was very, very good. Yeah. He had injuries and he yeah. started. Jackson Hastings, very, very good. Yeah, but later so, on, I think it sounds biased for me, but Munster yeah. was 18 games or something. I could, I could live with probably, I could live with Bird, I could live with um, I, Hastings Lola and I could live here. with Munster. Lola here had a good nah, year. Lola here. Fullback, yeah. wing, centre, halves. Warriors, please. Um, well, you're going, where are you going? I'll say Bird. I'm going to go Munster. Uh, no, I'll go Munster. It sounds biased, but I've just... Munster. Massive spot, hard situation. <laughs> Red Player of the Year, Josh Dugan, Corey Parker, Parker. first, and it's got to be Parker, surely. Well, he um, won. He won. How do they? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, he won Player it, of the Tournament. Yeah, player well, of Origin. Then they go to the Queensland and the New South Wales rep. Which they, so, what's this based on? Is it based that's on the points they polled during Origin? I think that's Queensland, Australia, New South Wales, like all those. Uh, so okay. I go Parker. Parker was Parker. awesome in the Test match. Yeah, he was. Twenties sure. is the final one I got here. Ashley Taylor's been nominated. The Broncos halfback. Tavita Pengai Jr. from Canberra, the front row, back rower. Viliama Kikau, the front row from the Cowboys. I think he's a special. 21 tries in 21 games and a Fijian debut during the year. Um, Gideon Geller-Mosby broke the try-scoring record. Absolutely ridiculous. Tamari Martin going to Penrith next year. And there's obviously the Troll Mitchell. I'm going Kikau. Yeah, Kikau wins it, but Chaboyevich and Tyron May should have been nominated. Yeah, well, you can make an argument for that. So that's our quick-fire predictions on the Dalliums. And there it is. That is a huge... Grand final edition. Paul Kent came on, talked about Sunny Ball, rugby league, and his thoughts on the grand final. MG was with us, obviously talking about the grand final as well. We've had Mr. Gossip. We've done the fan forum. We've done the tips, the odds from WilliamHill.com, Daly and predictions and everything under the sun. Uh, we'll get some final thoughts right now before we finish up for myself and Brock. Um, so for myself... Final thoughts on the grand final. The Cowboys win. I mentioned earlier before, I think there's fantastic battle between the halves, but the difference for me is the starting forward pack and obviously the bench impact for the Cowboys. I think um, they'll be able to produce a little bit more than what the Broncos are going to get out of their side. and um, They're going to be heavy reliant on their starting forward pack. Yeah, well, Cowboys for me. I, I watch that and I take a lot out of that uh, game from first week of the finals. Uh, I think... The Cowboys had a multitude of chances. They had 57% of the ball. They had all the metres. They just couldn't convert it. Uh, I think this week they'll be better for that. Um, Brisbane, they'll be valiant. They'll be tough. They won't give up. They'll defend well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they won, but I just my heart and my head are probably telling me Cowboys. Well, there you go. There's all the predictions. Everybody giving their thoughts. MG on the Broncos, along with Gossip, myself, uh, Brock and Kenty, all on the Cowboys. It is that time of the year. The blockbuster, the grand final, the big daddy, the finale. Super excited. Uh, hopefully, Jonathan Thurston's groin holds up and we have to wait till tomorrow to find out what happens with Justin Hodges. But hopefully, 1-17 to 17 for both sides in an absolute blockbuster NRL 2015 grand final. Couple of sleeps away, so enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.